Three, two, one. And we're live. We're live. Welcome back. Yes. We're doing this thing. But more importantly, there's beer. <laughs> ah. That's always very important. Yep. Uh, where to start? Where to start? I don't know. Yeah, so uh, Richie came over yesterday. You guys missed him. Um, Liz missed him. You missed him. He was uh, over here um, kind of celebrating with me to a certain extent uh, about me getting through this uh, third semester of nursing school. I've got four more months left, and then I'm done. Nice. And uh, <clears throat> But he was, like, talking about how he's concerned about having a kid, and his uh, girlfriend, Cecily's like, kind of getting upset about various different things. And he was like, I just don't get it. And I was like, well, if you had a thing growing on the inside of you, sucking up all your nu nutrients and throwing your hormones out of whack, you'd probably be upset all the time, too. Yeah. <laughs> like... That's true. Yeah. Do you think that's the equivalent of a man being on steroids? Uh, it's probably worse, actually. You think so? Yes. Yes. Because, um, like, so I don't know much about being on steroids, but for a wo woman, her her blood volume increases by 50%. Okay. Uh, it becomes harder. Like, the, the heart has a harder time beating. They have a harder time breathing. Um depending on where they're at in their pregnancy, if they lay a certain way, they can pinch off their vena cava. Okay. And cause, like, some hyper hypotension issues back to the heart, some circulatory issues. Like, yep. it's, I mean, like, it's just pregnancy's a mess. And then on top of that, their hormones, like, a woman's cycle, you get your estrogen. Uh-huh. And then you get your uh, progesterone. Uh, at, like, and it comes in in waves. But then, uh, when you get pregnant, your body releases a whole bunch of uh, I forget what it's called. HCG is what it's called. Okay. And um, it uh, and what that does is basically tell the the uterus not to abort the fertilized egg. Okay. And, and then from there, you start pumping out basically the um, hormones that women take to for birth control. Okay. So it stops, like, the ovulation cycle. But they're, like, continually, like, instead of being on a normal cycle, they're, like, getting bombarded by these hormones continuously for nine months. That, like, yeah. like... Your, your body's wanting to do one thing and part of it's saying no, no, no. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, hormonal hormonal things are hard to explain. Like hormonal feeling, like changes in hormones and blah, blah, blah. It's, uh, it's definitely radical departure and it can happen so fast mm -hmm. that you have no idea like even how to prepare for it. Yeah. So... Then uh, what what else did I have go on? Um, God, I don't know. I've just been buried in schoolwork. You've seen it. Yep. Um, 
Sold one of my firearms today. Nice. So. Very nice. To Beto O'Rourke or? No, to to a guy who is going to use it appropriately. If Okay. That's good. Like, I, I've known this guy since uh, junior high, and he was in the Marine Corps also. Uh, but he really wanted this type of rifle, and he's like, well, I don't need it. Here you go. Give me some money. And so that finally happened, and now uh, he's got himself a new rifle. I know he's going to be responsible with it, and I don't have to worry about it being in the hands of some fucking dipshit somewhere, you know? Yeah. That's a good point. You don't want that happening. No. Um, I mean, it wouldn't have happened if it stayed in my possession either, but I never used the fucking thing. Like, yeah. ever. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I was with you the last time I think you shot it. Maybe you shot it since, but... No. No? No, well, I, I have used it since because I um, did some stuff with a, uh Israeli... Mm-hmm. Soldier, um, out out in the West Desert, we were like target shooting, and I was like, "What are you more comfortable with?" Because I have an Israeli weapon in my garage, and he's like, "I'm actually more comfortable with like the M16 platform." <laughs> so wow, all right. So I uh, I was like, "Okay, here here you go." Scrubbed it clean, and that's all she wrote. I've only fired that weapon three times, but the guy I. Ahead of me, apparently fired it a fuck ton and never cleaned it. So, shit. Yeah, that's that was a fun time picking up that weapon. I saw that video. I need to send it to you. We should put it up as a as an advertisement for the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I should take this away from you on principle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, and um. Yeah, dude. I don't know. I I feel my like face clearing up. My desire to drink is way down. Yeah. Uh, and I don't really break out, but I what I, what I get is that like rosacea. Uh huh. Um, like dry, red, cracked. Yeah. Flaky skin. Um, when I get stressed, and it's incredible. Just like since the beginning of this week to now, it's gotten a hundred times better that's good just from not being stressed as much oh and i sharpened my knife really well and used it to shave my hand uh-huh nice <laughs> <laughs> you know what it could have been too though this is because you were so stressed because i know you were drinking more with me because i've been bringing home beer like every day pretty much yeah four of these is a half a gallon so okay. like if that's I think that's why my acne broke out is because I wasn't keeping up with my water. Today I drink a half a gallon. I feel pretty damn weird. Yeah, you feel like probably kind of feel a little bloated. I don't feel bloated actually. I just feel um, like when your, I, your brain feels different. Yes, when you're like properly yeah, 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 yeah. hydrated. I know that much. It's like it's like you you feel like you're not thinking normally but it's that actually the level that you should be operating at all of the time <laughs> yeah yep it probably yeah exactly exactly so, and i'm about to consume as much water as or as much beer as i did water today so good for you and then i'm going to drink the rest of the water though so it'll balance out 
Um, sure. We'll yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, because I remember when I used to drink like a gallon of water a day. Mm-hmm. Sometimes even more. Yeah. Back when I was like super active and climbing all the time. Like you gradually move into that dehydrated state. Mm -hmm. So you don't realize it. And then like when you dump all that water back into your system, it's like your brain, it it feels fuzzy, but it's not fuzzy. Like, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. That's how it was. I only opened my water bottle twice today and more than half of it's gone. So each time I drink a quart of just going, like just freaking going for it. 32 ounces each at a time. Yeah. Jesus. And because uh, Cody was making a big deal about it. He wasn't there today, but he's making a big deal. Like, this is a lot of water to get through. And I was like, oh, dude, that's like a challenge to me almost. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. kind of why I got it. And I was oh, like, oh, you yeah. want to go? Exactly. It's like a competition. And that's actually a competition that's healthy. So, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Sorry. I'm texting the guy that used to live here. Oh, is that who that was in the car? Who texted you? Yeah, yeah. Okay, nice. Yeah. Um, he's, uh, I mean, he doesn't live far from here, and uh, he's a pretty decent guy. I still get his mail. Um, junk mail I just throw out, but anything that looks remotely mm. like it, it's at all important, I send him a picture message of it. And so that's what was going on. Oh, okay, nice. Uh, I don't know if they're married, um, but I th- I'm just going to call her his wife. Uh, was living here as well. Um, doesn't have the same last name, though. And uh, she was the realtor selling the house. Oh, okay. And worked with um, the real our friend that works for Berkshire Hathaway that was buying the house with us. So, okay. So, um, I don't know. We just have like this weird relationship. Like the guy I sold my old place to, I know nothing about him. Yeah. I know where these people live. Nice. And they're good people. So I'm like, well, you know, if anything weird shows up, I'll just pass it on. And like, like I'm getting Christmas cards for them right now. I've got more Christmas cards for them than I do for my family. And really? Yeah. Wow. Showing up at this this ad- address. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And I thought you meant you're sending them more Christmas cards than you're sending your family. I'm like, yeah. what the fuck? No, like people are sending the archers um, Christmas cards, but they're coming to my house. Oh and God, not that's their new address. That's a good feeling, I'm sure. You what? looked at. Look down and like, oh, fucking archers again. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, you're like, I guess fuck Dallas over here, you know. I'm just start mailing. I'll just start mailing you Christmas cards in different names. Just random, random families. Just get some stock images. I'd probably be okay with it, to be honest. And we'll mail them to his house in your name. <laughs> his new address? Yeah, fuck him. We'll show him. <laughs> That would be a trip, dude. If you sold your house and bought a new house, and the people that you were buying the new house from was buying your old house, yeah, that's had to have happened at least once. 
It's had to have happened. Oh, I'm sure. At least once, but god damn, dude, that'd be fucking bizarre, wouldn't it? That's got That's probably more common than a lot. I bet you a lot of people are like, I really like your house. So like, I really like your house. Like, you want to trade? Like, sure. Yeah. I don't know. My my old house was okay. <laughs> okay. What are you saying? And my legs don't feel good. They're oh. sore. Okay. Well, um, yeah, uh, my old house wasn't too bad, uh, but the neighborhood was. And now the neighborhood's on the upswing. I'm, I really, like, we wouldn't be in this place. Mm-hmm. But I really wish Liz would have been willing to stick it out there for one more year. Yeah, just for the equity. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, we made a hundred grand in equity off of that property. Mm-hmm. But there's another house right down the street from here uh, that my realtor is selling. Uh, our friend that we've used as a realtor for years mm-hmm. uh, is is selling and. I actually like the layout of that house better than this one. Really? Yeah. And so we would have been on the same street even. Yeah. Just a few doors down. But uh, if we had waited one year, and we probably would have gotten like another 50 grand of equity out of the old place because it's on a big upturn. Right. So. Oh. Past is the past, I guess. This place has gotten more equity, I think, than 50 grand in that amount of time. Yeah, but I don't know. Like, this is a good house. I like it. But I liked that other house that I liked when we stopped the other day. Yeah. I went. I walked through that place, and I would have. I was like, I would have thrown an offer down on this place mm-hmm. immediately right. after walking through it through here. And really? Yeah. Nice. 100, like, it's a finished basement, but my my basement's finished, but the basement in this other place had, like, a little kitchenette and everything. Like, when your kids get to be teenagers, you can just fucking sequester them down there and not have to fucking deal with them ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just true. pass soda and fucking chips down the stairs. Here, stock your fridge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come talk to me when you're normal again. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, like, that that would have been nice. But there's some work that needs to be done to this place that I I didn't see needing to be done at the others. Other oh, place. really? Yeah. Yeah, that's rough. So. That's rough. Like, living in a house is much better than an apartment. Apartment's more convenient, but then an apartment you're dealing with other people, too. Like, it's such a catch-22. Yeah. With both ways. Yeah, because... And, and, you know, I, I, I've i only walked through that house because I know the guy that's selling it. And I'm not in the market, but he was there doing an open house, and I stopped in to say hi. And yeah. he showed it to me, and I was like... I, I was walking through in there, and I was like, I legitimately like this better than the house I'm in right now. But I'm sure living there for a year... Mm-hmm. It would have been like this place. I would have been like, "Oh, there's something." I've yeah, you always here. find you always find something. My uncle actually, my uncle and aunt, they're in there on my mom's side. I think they're in the early fifties or late forties, and 
my uh, they they built a mini house. Okay. One of the ones you can pull around, like just on a van or whatever, and they live in the mini house now. Yeah. And they're probably saving so much money. Well, yeah, when you can just roll up to a Walmart parking lot and dump your sewage out. And- Pretty much, and it's not bad. I mean, like they, it's like he's a woodworker, so I mean, and my cousin did it too. My cousin. Yeah. No. They, crazy the minimalistic thing like that new fire thing is uh fire um what does it stand for the amazon fire tv stand? no 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 it's a uh, financial in- independence retire early so okay. what so a lot of a lot of people do is they'll like get their spending down to the bare minimum and they'll get over a million dollar net worth by the time they're in their like 35 to 40 okay and then yeah, I guess it's just a growing trend now. It's weird. Like, this whole minimalistic movement is, is getting pretty big. Yeah. I remember that started uh, a couple years ago, actually. I started seeing a lot of stuff in, like, outdoor magazines and and whatnot about these people, like, turning weird shit into homes. Like, there's a guy in New York that made an apartment out of a, like, discarded dumpster. Okay. It's got like a little shower on the outside of it with a curtain that he can pull. I'm like, what the fuck? Why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's definitely uh, a rising trend. Some guy did it as a lawyer. He, he got a job as a lawyer and he was sitting um, in New York City. He was living there and he got his expenses down to like 29 grand a year or something like that. Yeah. And saved the rest of it for like 15 years, and he's already has enough to retire for the rest of his life if he wanted to. Huh. Um, but by the time they get to that age, it's like, well, they don't really want to retire, so they have more leisure to travel or whatever. Right. So here's my thing, though, is like, it it, it sounds great in theory. Uh-huh. And I mean, it's totally doable. People are doing it, but... Yeah. That is something... That you can't have kids and do. It'd be an impossible thing to do. I mean, okay, the, this is what they do, though. They eat only the strict diet for that many years. He only ate beans and rice. That's all he ate. It sounds very unhealthy. I mean, it's a protein source and a carbohydrate source and a fat source. So it's rounded. Um, I think there's definitely ways to do it. Um a lot of the times, like, every, everyone falls victim to this. The more money we make, the more we spend because we acclimate to the more money that we make. And it's, like, common. It's, like, like all these fucks and Range Rovers are not rich people. They're middle-class people who spend their money irresponsibly. Those are, like, not even kidding. The people that I view the Range Rover people as probably the most debt-bearing people because they're the ones who buy the big house, the huge houses that are like brand new. They're the ones who buy the brand new cars that accumulate the most debt because they can make the payments. Yeah. But they definitely have like probably less of a net worth. True. Um, but there are people out there that'll make a hundred, hundred twenty grand a year and live off of thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, and I mean like uh, th- that's that's doable. Yeah, I'm just my my point was is it just be more t- difficult to do that with children, right? And the there, there's people that have done it though. I mean, like, look at Ben who we used to work with, 
Or like look at Ty, who Ty had three daughters. And Did they live at home? Yeah. With their parents? Yeah. Yeah. See, Ty, no, like, Ty was twenty four at the time. See that for I guess for me that's where the equation changes because that's something I'm not willing to do. Yeah. Unless absolutely necessary. Yeah. And it's not necessary. So oh yeah, no, he wasn't it. he wasn't uh I'm not saying that they had a good life. I mean he could barely afford like boxed food for his family, but he only made his household made like thirty thousand dollars. But if imagine if they made $110,000 and they bumped their spending up to $40,000, it would be life-changing. Like, yeah. It would be a life-changing amount of money. That's like $800 a month extra, and you're still putting away however much per year just right. by avoiding like what everyone else spends their money on, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I'd like to get to that point eventually, but I'm not – I don't know, dude. I'm not a big believer in like – I mean, I think having cash on hand is really important, but I think like nesting away money is just like right when you put money into a bank, a large sum of money, the banks have already sold it to Wall Street to multiply the money. Right. So it's like like they the banks don't even want the money. Like you put the money in, the banks don't even want it because it loses value. So, uh, but what about like putting it in an IRA? See, it's kind of... It, it depends on like what you're going after. If you put money, if you're putting money in IRA retirement funds, you are saying you are saying that you trust Wall Street more with the money than you trust yourself with the money. And for some people, that's fine because not a lot of people know what to do with the money, and that's that's fine. Like they, they'll they'll give you a rate of return. It's invested in stocks and everything like that. Whatever. Right. If I was a billionaire, would I invest in like IRAs and stuff? No. So, this is my approach. Uh-huh. Okay. Spreading it out. Mm-hmm. So, Liz and I have an IRA. And then, um, like, I'll start doing other investing options once we have more money. Yeah. We'll probably continue to live about where we're at right now, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Unless we have kids. Uh, and just, like put that money into different stuff and try to have it grow for us because I mean, there's a few people out there that have gone all in yeah, and struck it big, but there's so many more that have gone all in on like one thing yeah, and floundered, you know? It's true. And uh, like, I don't have the the capability, like, I mean, I don't know what Liz and I are at right now with our IRA, but mm. I mean, we've been steadily like just kind of tossing money in there every month and we don't even notice it's gone anymore. Yeah. Um, when I get hired, if we even like increase that by half, which yeah. we're going to increase it by more than that, mm -hmm. um, it's... Like, the paycheck I'm going to be bringing in, we're still not even going to notice it's gone, you know? Yeah. And um, it's it's because of that that I want to be able to, like, start looking at other options. Like, maybe grow – like, I'm probably about a year out from doing this, but, like, really pumping money into this production. Yeah. Like, and – See, and, and that's – 
That's a that's a good. I think that's a good move. I think, and I'm in no fucking position uh, financially to tell anyone to do what their money like at all. I'm still paying homage for the mistakes I made. Right. And uh, you know, if I had the knowledge that I have, everyone would say this. If I had the knowledge that I have now, three four years ago, I would be in a completely different situation. Absolutely. Um, it's like I said the last time, like with my grandmother, when she was like 90-something, my dad asked, would you, if you could go back to being 65 again, would you? And she said, and be that naive? No. Right. You know? Like, it's true. It's true. But, I mean, even seeing like the stats and like how much money's hit my bank account since I've had my bank account, like you look at a certain amount of time and you say, okay, there, were t- there was 200 grand in this bank account. At one point, where did all of that money go? And now, now that I see like now after the second, all of this shit is cleaned up from my past. When I get that all knocked out, right. Money's going into real estate. A hundred percent. I, I, I want to dump probably 15 grand a year into real estate. Just keep pumping it in, pumping it in, pumping it in. That's not a bad idea. Um, no. cause I mean, if recession hits, everyone needs a place to stay no matter what. I was thinking about hotels. The only reason I don't think hotels are a good idea is if a recession hit, no one has money to Travel. vacation. Yeah. You have to like live in an apartment. Like you ha- it, it, everybody, there will always be a market for apartments yeah, unless so, North Korea hits. And, and that's, that's kind of what I'm saying is like, I'm probably about a year out from like really dumping a significant amount of money from me personally that I don't have to worry about into this podcast. Yep. And also um expanding to to stuff like real estate right. and yeah. You know. Well, like, and if you think of it this way because like apartment complexes you don't want to own. The misconception is that you want to own them, right? If you let's say you accumulate $200,000 worth of savings. Like you just save the money, save the money, save the money. You get a loan for three and a half million dollars and you buy yourself 50 apartment complexes you sit on those apartment comp so we'll just make it a little bit easier we'll round it down to three we'll we'll even say one million for the just sake of it so you buy it for one million dollars yeah it increases in value typically three percent per year so if you hold on to it for 10 years that one million dollars has increased by 30 percent 1.3 million dollars is what it's worth Um, so you made $300 in equity just by sitting on it at the same time, you're collecting rent money from all these people. Cash is flowing to you. So you're, you're not spending any of your earned income. You're spending cash flow. And when you spend cash flow, you're not taxed on it too. You don't have to pay taxes on that. So, and that, that's what you'd be using to pay like the, the property managers and shit like that. Right. Yeah. That's what you pay the property managers. That's what you pay the mortgage with. That's what you pay everything. And you take in that money afterwards and you can either accumulate that and put it back into different real estate. But then in 10 years you sell it to somebody because someone will want to buy it. Uh, wall street likes to buy those things up like, like freaking eggs. Shit. Keep talking just in case. Um, <laughs> sweet. <laughs> Sorry, I, I hit some weird lock button, guys, and it like caused the, the screen to do something weird. So. But, but here's the thing. If you only invested $200,000 into a million-dollar property and it turned into $1.3 million, 
you made a hundred thousand dollars because you only invested two hundred thousand dollars at the beginning. Right. So you only invested that two hundred thousand dollars. You made your money back plus a hundred grand, and you were collecting cash flow for ten years. So it's like, it's it's one of the only ways to get cash flow. Sit on something. Do you know what I'm gonna say? Like, who has a total linchpin racket when it comes to real estate? Who? Lincoln Housing. Lincoln Housing is the contractors that do all of the on-base housing for the military. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's regardless, like, they know what everyone's BAH is. If you live on base, they're taking your entire BAH from you. Really? And the house I lived in on Pendleton was probably there for 40 years. You know, yeah, that's probably lo- that's probably and, just heavy lobbying, if I were to guess. And and they took uh one thousand nine hundred dollars, all of my BAH every month, month after month for years while I lived there uh-huh. with my wife. Granted, I didn't have to worry about anything. If something broke, I just called them and said it. Right. But how often does something break in your house that's like catastrophic and needs immediate attention? I don't know. I haven't owned one. It's not that often. There's like little things here and there. And like if you rent, I implore you to hound the shit out of your um, property manager. Because they are collecting whatever amount of money from you per month. If you have a light bulb go out, you don't have to replace that. You can tell them to replace it. Like, you're giving them, like, for simplicity's sake, $1,000 a month, and you've been living there for two years. Yeah. And this, and this one light bulb burns out, and that's the only issue you've had with the place. Don't go, to, don't go to the grocery store and buy a new light bulb. Tell them to replace the light bulb. They've just made, like, $24,000 off of you. Yeah. You know, like, yep. they can spend f- five bucks on a fucking light bulb for you. They can replace your washer and dryer, like, unless you want to take the washer and dryer with you when you leave. But even then, like, I mean, if if you're a renter, use the fuck out of that. Yep. I Seriously. would agree. I would agree. Yeah, because, like, um, I've lived in a lot of places thanks to being in the military. Mm-hmm. Um... And there's only two of them. Let's see how many places I lived in when I was in. Uh, Woodbury's, Chula Vista, um, Mission Valley, Oceanside. I lived in five places in six years. Okay. Um, two of those five places had something that needed attention immediately. Right. Yeah. The rest of the time, people were just sucking money off of me. Yep. So, if you like, I swear, dude, even if it's just a just a light bulb, get them to come take care of it. Yeah, it's a good market to go into. If you can get a contract like that. And and that's why when you go into um, rental properties, you won't see a lot of lights in the ceiling. Right. Either. Like, they'll be like, oh, we're going to make these people buy fucking lamps because. 
Like, then that's their lamp. They're responsible to replace the bulbs. Yeah. You know, like, I think the only light bulbs I had in most of my places that I lived were, like, my bedroom, my bathroom, and my fucking kitchen. Right. Every, like, the rest of the common spaces were lamps. I yeah. I needed a lamp. I needed a lamp for <laughs> it. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, it's a good way to make money, but I'm also telling you if, like... You're you're a renter and you're you have something happen. Yeah. Get on their ass about it. Right. Even if it's small, because that's their fucking job, and you're paying them enough. Trust me. Like, yes. Like with how much you're paying in rent every year, you're paying that maintenance maintenance guy's salary. Like. Yep. Just one person's salary, like for a whole year. Like you might as well just turn around and hand your fucking what like. $18,000 right over to the maintenance guy. Like, if, you know. Right. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's pros and cons to both. Like, renting, you don't worry about property taxes. You don't have to have, you don't have liability. You don't have, I mean, you, you, you have the freedom to move or whatever. Um, but, I mean, it's, there's different things for different people. And, like, Honestly, I don't think renting is a bad option. I really don't. Um, it just depends on how long-term you're, you're thinking about being in a place. Because, you know, if, if you're in a job market that requires you to move around a lot, mm-hmm. renting is the way to go, for sure. But if you're like where Liz and I am at right now, mm-hmm. while we're looking at being in our careers for the next 20, 30 years... Mm-hmm. Buying a property and sitting on it. Yeah. That's the way to go. Yeah. Definitely. Because 15 years from now, I can turn around and sell this house, and it'll probably be worth twice as much as I bought it for. Yeah. You know? Yeah, probably. Like, I don't even want to think about um, Liz's parents' place. They've lived there so long that they paid off the entire mortgage and then took out another mortgage to do a construction renovation on it. Wow. And now that's almost paid off. Yeah. Like, that is how long they've lived there. Right. So, they bought this place back in, like, the early 80s. They've been there for 35 to 40 years, somewhere in there. Okay. They probably bought it for like ten grand back then. Mm-hmm. They could turn around and sell that house for like six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm fucking real. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't know. I definitely. Oh, something's happening. What Some, do you mean? Look at look how it's like lagging. It's choppy. There we go. Anyways, um, yeah, I don't know. Once I get every, once I get all my past debts cleaned up, um, I'm gonna travel more. I'm gonna establish myself training people, and I'm gonna travel more. Like I might live in Thailand for a while. Like I, I literally don't want to. I, I can't be stationary. I guess. I like moving around. Um, so it's I have gonna to, make this podcast a little difficult. Well, there's always skyping and stuff. Yeah, that's true. There's always ways of getting it. But I what the fuck's going on here? One second, guys. 
All right. Well, so we're going to keep pushing. Yeah, it's <laughs> fine. But anyways, fuck it. I don't want to talk about money anymore. No? No. No, you don't like money? I love money, but I'm not in that <sighs> position where I can talk. Like, if I keep talking about money, at least right now, in the mindset that I'm in now, and for those of you who don't know, I'm getting sued right now. So it's like, I'm in a position now where I'll deal with it, but I don't like, I don't like dwelling on it too much right now. Okay. Because I'm at that point, I'm at that point where I'm just trying to knock it out. That's it's how been... I felt when I thought I had HIV. Yeah. <laughs> I, you laugh, but there was a legitimate concern in my life where I thought I had HIV. Oh, uh, that wouldn't be fun. <laughs> I wouldn't enjoy that. So... Yeah, that was that was a good like year of not knowing what the fuck to do with my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that doesn't sound fun at all. Just trying to live and in the back of your mind constantly there's this nagging pressure like you might get AIDS. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. That was that was a good time. Jesus. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I'd handle that one. I don't know how I'd handle that. <laughs> Probably not well. Uh, I handled it okay. I didn't drink at the time either. I thought I was going to need my liver for every ounce that it had. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, when I re- legitimately was like worried about having HIV, I was like, all right, organs, you and me versus the world. I hate so fucking clean. And Yeah. It's probably the cleanest I've ever lived. Was that one year of like being <laughs> uncertain? <laughs> what year? What year was this? Oh God! Like 2010, 2011? Dude, I don't think I've ever met a straight person that's got HIV before. Really? No. Right? Yeah. Have you? Was yeah. it blood contact? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I've never ever heard of a straight person getting HIV transferred through sexual ways. I mean, I'm, I know it's it happened at least once. Yeah? Well, it's got to have. Because, like, I mean, so you think about when the HIV thing that, like, really started up in mm-hmm. full force. In the How 70s? Many, 70s and 80s, yeah. How many people were living in the closet because they felt like they couldn't be themselves? And they were, like, in these heterosexual relationships. Yeah. Like, just kind of faking it. You know, I don't know, like thousands. Okay. And then you have these um, homosexual men and women that uh, through no fault of their own, really, they get exposed to this virus. But Uh then they're like feeling like they have to live this lie. Yeah. And they go home to this wife or husband. And they're expected to do their. Um freaking duties as a spouse right and they do them and then they wind up spreading the disease to that person and then eventually it like all comes out and it's like well i got this because i'm actually a homosexual or i'm a drug user or whatever and yeah you know like there's i i think um being more socially accepting of people as far as uh like homosexuality and Mm -hmm. and whatnot has probably made a huge, huge difference in um, transmission rates of HIV because people are able to be more open about their risk for getting HIV. Yeah. Um, and 
they don't have to hide who they are as a person. And, like, we all do know, like, homosexuals are more at risk. Like, it's just a fact. And why is that? Um, well, because it's like a blood contact, mm-hmm. right? And um, this is going to get, like, nitty and gritty here, but uh, how do homosexual men have sex? Through the anus. And there's ripping and blood. Yes. And Don't it, prolapse your anus. It, well, and it's not even, it doesn't even have to be that, a large amount, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Just a little tear. Yeah. Contact with mucous membranes, boom. Yeah. Done. Like, now you have it. So, uh, but there's also been, like, huge leaps made in, like, understanding the virus and also, like, medications to help treat the virus. Mm-hmm. But I think. One of the biggest things we've done as a society is become accepting of homosexual people so they don't have to hide who they are. They can be open about who they are and truly understand, like, the risks and, like, not have to hide behind some weird curtain and be worried about getting, I guess stringed up a flagpole or whatever for being uh, for, for like going and getting tested. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, like uh, you look at adult film act- actors and actresses, and um, a majority of the companies, if they work for them, that are legitimate, right, will have them tested regularly. Okay. Um, like, it's just like a thing that they do. Interesting. Now. Like, uh... I mean, I can't really speak for any specific company, but there's a documentary out there called Kink, mm-hmm. and it's made by uh, James Franco. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And uh, but it talk he he's like interviewing pornographic actors and actresses and like the person that runs the business and everything, and they're talking about their risk for this. Yeah. Um, and it's like, well, it's a known risk. So we all get tested, like, all the time, and it's not a big deal. Yeah. You know, just the fact of, like, making it not a big deal is probably reduced transmission rates dramatically. Sure. So. That's interesting, man. Yeah. Um, So I want to switch gears a little bit because it's on my mind, and I'll take out my rage on this. I'll take out a little bit of my rage today on the pharmaceutical industry because I'm fucking fed up with them. I'm so sick of the goddamn cucks at the top determining what's legal and what's not. So for those of you who don't know, I have a pretty pretty high interest in uh, in uh, chemistry when it comes to substances, pharmaceuticals, anything of the nature of like altering the human body, right? Mm-hmm. And not in the sense of – I'm more focused on hormones than anything – um, but there are a group of drugs called selective androgen receptor modulator SARMs that are currently trying to be banned. They're being lobbied to be banned by pharmaceutical companies so that they cannot be sold or distributed and they would be scheduled for research purposes. Uh, they currently cannot be uh, researched on humans. Oh, they, do, they, they have to have a special lab permit to do it anyways. Uh, anyways, these things are going to get banned. But behind the scenes... 
these pharmaceutical companies are lobbying to get these drugs um, patented. So they're trying to patent these drugs, but at the same time, the people that are using them and benefiting from them, it's like unacceptable for these pharmaceutical companies not to be making any money. So it, it's just, it really is pissing me off. Um, there's all of these amazing innovations in the SARMs, rendering a lot of drugs that we currently use, like not even, we don't even need them. We don't even need a lot of these drugs. So like, one, for example, and you look at these recreational use, right? You trying to pull up something? Uh, just a second. No. Um, I, I'm trying to just check our emails, to be honest with you. Because there's, oh. like, some notifications in the corner, and I was like, uh. Oh, I don't think you have Cheap Shots email set up on this one. Okay. Well, I'll do it, I'll do it on my phone then. Um, <laughs> but there's all these new SARMs coming out. Like, there's this one called uh, MK11, right? Or YK11, I'm sorry. YK11. So, this drug stimulates the androgen receptor. It strengthens bones. It grows muscle, increases endurance. Uh, it decreases myostatin. Do you know what myostatin is? So, it, it myostatin is a... Uh, musculoskeletal regulator in the body. Uh, it's called, oh, it's a, oh, shit, what is it? Uh, growth differential factor eight. So basically what that is, is it's a chemical that regulates the amount of bone density mm -hmm. and the amount of muscle, muscle you can build on a human frame. It lowers that regulatory chemical in the body. So it basically decreases your ability uh, to limit muscle growth mm -hmm. uh, to a certain extent or bone density, uh, decreases cholesterol levels, bal or balances out cholesterol levels rather, has all these amazing benefits, and, it's gonna, and they're, they're trying to get it banned. Hmm. Same thing with uh, Osterine or LGD4033, or S3. S3 is an interesting one because it's actually birth control for men at high dosage. Okay. At the 50 milligram mark, it's going to suppress... Sperm production? Basically, your sperm turns to water at that point. Um, however, these androgenic... Shots are going to be hard with that. Yeah, well, that's why you don't take that high of a dose. But these... So these, uh, these SARMs are so incredible because they could, we could get rid of all of these steroids that have all these androgenic side effects like increased prostate uh, size or, or growth in the, in the prostate, exposing it to a bigger disposition for accumulating cancer right. um, or heart growth or, I mean, anything that really speeds up the metabolism. And if you're predisposed to like cancer or something, you're really just speeding up time. So if you're predisposed, uh, disposed to cancer, you're going to accumulate it quicker, especially with like grow growth hormone or insulin or anything that speed really speeds up the metabolism. Okay. Um, but the, the, what I'm getting at is they're trying to ban these SARMs. Um, that would be so beneficial for people's health and that balance out so many hormones because they directly conflict with other pharmaceutical drugs. And 
But it'll all change. If they can get the patents for these things, everyone's going to switch. The pharmaceutical company's going to be like, now we'll sell them to you. Uh, True. And I'm just pissed off with it. True. I am. And you'll need a prescription for it. You'll need a prescription there, for it. There's going to be some weird fucking newfound disease that's not really even a problem. But the SARMs have all the anabolic uh, side effects of steroids without any of the androgenic side effects. So, like, it's, it's a win-win. You're, you have little to no risk by doing these drugs. And they're going after them because they're in the supplement business. People are getting big and healthy and regulated and spreading this knowledge to people. Right. Of like, hey, if you get these hormones in check, maybe you don't need this other stuff. Like, you don't need these high blood pressure pills. You don't need... Uh, pills to, to regulate your cholesterol or whatever it is. Um, and that's, that's what's pissing me off at this point. Yeah. It, and it's going into full force now. It's going fast. Um, I wonder if that's what all this impeachment stuff is about, is to distract. From SARMs? Yeah. No, I don't think it'd be that big, but... You don't think so? No, I don't think it'd if be that big. it's threatening a multi-billion dollar in- industry... It could be, but I bet you the DOJ is going after it regardless. And uh, the DOJ is currently headed by Barr, which was a Trump pick. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, the the heavy, the heavy, heavier version of uh, the guy from Hitman, Agent 47. Yeah. Um, yeah well, but it, it's... It's just pissing me off because it's such a good tool and it was something I was planning on using on my clients because I train rats and uh, lab rats. Yeah, I train lab rats. So SARMs can only be studied research purposes only on lab rats currently. If you want to do it on humans, then it... uh... Yeah. Oh, were you thinking of... uh... Attorney General Barr. Oh, you weren't thinking of the uh, Surgeon General? No. Attorney General Barr. William Barr? Yeah. Uh, What's the current Surgeon General's name? I don't know. He's a... I'm not entirely sure. A uh, Navy man, three-star admiral. That it's all just—it's part of the game. It's part of the capitalistic game, and now like, I just want to expose people to this knowledge as much as possible. Like, by taking uh, there's one of the storms name. It has a really long chemical compound name, so I don't remember it. My apologies, but the whole point of it is it dense. It makes your muscle more dense, and it balances cholesterol level. So, okay. my biggest thing is if we have so many bodybuilders or fitness people or whatever that are exposed to all of these steroids that are black market, on the market, they're going to fucking, uh, they're going to hurt themselves eventually. They're eventually yeah. going to get to this point where they're going to cause long-term damage. Because um, it's black market stuff. It's like Not it's- even that. Like if you do, let's say, trembolone acetate, for example... That suppresses your testosterone so much that your balls will shrink up so much that actually shrink into your pelvis because it's so potent. They'll retract. Yes. And if you're coming back from that, it's all dependent on if you uh, know how to come off of it properly. 
and not a lot of people do. So they'll fuck up their, their hormones long-term just to be on this supplement. And SARMs don't do that. SARMs don't do that. They're, now, YK11 is methylated. It does suppress testosterone. Same with SG3. Um, the stronger they get, and, and they are getting stronger. First generation, you had Osterine, and then you had uh, LG, LGD4033, and then you have like Rad140. But the, the thing is, these are such much, much, much better alternatives than the pro-hormones that were going around. You had all these pro-hormones that were like, oh, shit, what was the first pro-hormone name? I remember it was a big-ass deal where people were taking it and giving, getting liver failure because it's methylated. And the way those things work is you take these pills to gain some muscle, and uh, it converts in the liver twice, and it's so toxic. It's so toxic to your body that it just uh, destroys you. Like It destroys you from the inside out. And that's where it's refined down to the point, even like testosterone, whatever ester it's, it's attached to, whether it be like an anthate, acetate, whatever, um, you're going to have androgenic side effects, but in low to moderate dose, it's not going to be that detrimental to your health. Um, now when you get into more of the heavy drugs, your wind straws, your, um, D balls, and I'm talking at high dose, uh, uh, trembolone all of these drugs do pack on a lot of muscle and i see a lot of people that are going into this like how much muscle can i gain like i want to put on as much muscle as possible and it's understandable like just the world we live in right now um with like all the the fitness health magazines all the videos all of these people that are pushed to our face we all of a sudden feel like we're inadequate and we're like, well, how do I look like that? So a lot of these kids will start taking hormones, not knowing what they're getting themselves into. I would much rather kids get a hold of SARMs and experiment with SARMs than I would any sort of androgen or anabolic steroid because you're not going to do the long-term damage. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's, a, that is something you, you have personal experience with. So yeah, I've experienced, uh, experimented on myself and I can, assure people like if i were to do things a little bit differently like one don't do pro hormones you're going to develop bitch tits i did i'm going to have to pay the price for that that's like a seven thousand dollar surgery um gynecomastia always nasty yeah it's gross it's freaking gross and you can regulate it like you if you drop body fat really low you can shrink it pretty small but nonetheless don't do pro hormones your liver lipids are going to go through the roof your doctor is going to think you're like binge drinking or something when in fact you're just taking a supplement to gain a little bit of muscle. It's a dumb thing to do. Don't fucking do it unless you know what the fuck you're doing because you will fuck yourself up big time. You're going to suppress your uh, sex hormone binding globulin. That's going to go way down. Your free testosterone is going to go way down. And if they ever recover, like who knows, you may have to go on uh, hormone replacement therapy the rest of your life. So it, it's all the risk, man, just to look a little bit better. And that's where I think SARMs are, like, amazing because that risk does not exist. And they've been around now for, you know, over a decade. And we've gotten some good research out of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's there's nothing coming up yet. Nothing coming up yet, even at 20, about 30 like, times. Like about adverse side effects? So if I were to, like, recommend somebody, and this is – I'm not a doctor. I'm not recommending anyone do this, but if, 
I, if somebody said, hey, I'm going to do SARMs and I'm going to do it, what one do I do? I would say do Osterine at 5 milligrams per day because at that low of a dose, you're not going to suppress your natural testosterone, meaning that your testosterone is still going to be present in your body. The 5% or that 5 milligrams that you're taking is going to attach to the androgenic receptors and increase mu- muscle synthesis. BCAAs are going to be more efficiently processed. Um, you're going to gain more muscle, but you also need that testosterone, uh, and estrogen in order to get, uh, it's kind of like a synergistic effect with an androgen. You need some sort of testosterone base because it, it gives a synergistic, like boosting effect to the steroid. So like if you took, if you took an anabolic steroid and you had no testosterone, your balls were shut off, you might get really hard and like, like lean, but it's not going to do as much as it would if you had the androgenics, androgenic synergistic effect of also having testosterone in your system. Okay. So at, at that low of a dose, you're not risking shutting off your testosterone. You can experience like muscle growth. Like if I put someone on Osterine, five milligrams, they're going to gain probably in three months, they'll probably gain like 12 to 15 pounds of muscle mass, lean muscle mass. And that's where, that's where these new SARMs are kind of interesting is because since they lower myostatin, the, uh, musculoskeletal regulator that says like, okay, we're going to have this much in the body so that we can't gain this. We can't gain too much muscle because our frame can't handle it. Well, YK 11 strengthens the bone structure. It lowers that limit. So all of a sudden you're able to pack on more muscle because your bones have gotten thicker. The level of the uh, growth differential factor eight has gone down and you're able to sustain the weight. You're able to be more healthy. Your cardiovascular system gets better. Your cardiorespiratory system gets better. It truly is a like miracle drug and it's being suppressed right now Hmm. heavily and it's going to be banned probably in 2020. And uh, that's where it's going to be a black market thing because they can't ban it. It's currently a research chemical so I could always sell it as long as I say this is not for human consumption. This is a research chemical. Um, but if they put it on a scheduled list, especially Schedule 1, like marijuana, it can't be researched. So then it's taken away from the public completely. Yeah, and marijuana is a bullshit Schedule 1. It's very similar. Yeah, they don't want people studying it because they know of all the, the benefits that it has in the plant. I, I mean, there, there are some risks with it in regards to pregnancy. But they're not even able to look at that fully because it's a Schedule 1. Right. And I would say marijuana is still dangerous for people with schizophrenic backgrounds, too. Yeah, that's understandable. Especially at high dosage, you can go into a loop of just like... If you have a predisposition to schizophrenia, don't smoke weed. Especially how strong it is now. Yeah, and the the thing that there's... um, They've only seen it with the smoked product, and it's kind of anecdotal evidence because you can't practice on people. Right. Uh, but they have seen some birth defects in people yep. smoking marijuana. And I'm, that makes sense. I mean, there's still tar content in, in the herb itself right, when, you, right. when you smoke it. Um, but, now, but they're not able to look at it through topicals right, or anything else. And it's like they can't they can't look at it through topicals or gummies or whatever right. because it is a schedule 1 it's not allowed to be looked at 
And hopefully it passes through the House. Like, um, well, I mean, it, it passed the committee. So if it gets the vote from the Senate, then like it'll be federally legal and that'll change everything. Like, absolutely. Th- that's what needs to happen. That like, it, it, there's so many little things that go on in our government that no one pays attention to that could have such a drastic impact on total, like all of society. No one gives a shit. Everyone's concerned about like mainstream, like, oh, my player is fighting your player. Right. Like, right. well, what are they fighting over? It's like, okay, what's going on in the background behind everything else? Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, sports, especially football in this country, is used as like a great distractor. You know, I hate like, that sport so much. I, I, I mean, like, I like me some baseball, obviously. Mm-hmm. But how much shit happened um, politically during the whole, like, oh, Colin Kaepernick's kneeling during the national anthem. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How the Patriot Act got renewed just a a couple weeks ago because all of this impeachment stuff was going on. In the background, it was a bipartisan thing. Both the Democrats and Republicans happily signed away. You're right to have privacy, your phone calls, text messages. And now I believe it's data as well. They can intercept data patterns um, that are sent out through. So all these companies I like hope they like tranny porn. Well, like look at <laughs> Verizon, AT&T, Sprint, T-Mobile. They all lease their towers from the FCC. The FCC controls it all. Um, even my company, we develop technology for the FCC, and in turn, they give us money to run the business. They don't give a shit about the deaf people having communication. What they care about is uh, developing, because apparently my, our company is known for like making a certain way to compress video and send it in live. Okay. And that's what they're concerned about. So they'll pay us money to develop that technology because they have it. Say, it, it. The government's fucked. They have so many things going on in the background, not on TV, not on C-SPAN. Oh, yeah. That yeah, um, yeah. Unless you're really paying attention to it, you're not going to know. And no, who, who the fuck has time? We're all working jobs. You know what I mean? Like, we're all yeah. working jobs. Yeah. We're we, all just trying to live. And then you have these guys that are super, like, they're middle class guys. And they're, like, heavy into football for whatever fucking reason. And Colin Kaepernick won't stand up for the national anthem. And... You know, everyone loses their fucking minds. Meanwhile, they're, like, deciding whether or not to fund the next counter-insurgency, insurgency in fucking Pakistan, you know? Like, oh, yeah, we'll we'll pump money and weapons into this group because they don't like who we don't like right now, but they don't like us either. So I guess the enemy of my enemy is my friend, even though they're my enemy. And yeah. like that, that kind of shit happens all the time, and they're distracting you with. Homeboy won't stand up for the national anthem. It's yeah. like, first of all, it's his right not to stand up for the national anthem. I'm a veteran. Couldn't give a shit less whether or not somebody stands up for the national anthem. But it's like then you have the media outlets on both sides telling you why you should be pissed. Yeah. It's like doing the thinking but, but the, for but, you. But the thing is, is like, that's your decision. It is your decision. And like, I think you're unpolarized to the point, and I'm unpolarized to the point. Because if I listen to left or right, whatever, I don't get angry by it. 
I can't get angry by right. it because then they're winning because right. it's it's direct conflicts. They're telling each other like on both sides they're telling completely opposite things because it'll wild up the other side. And if you don't care about it, it doesn't work. The mind right. control doesn't fucking work. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it's just simply, like, being able to think outside the box that um, you've kind of been placed in. Placed in. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember um, who made the the picture, but it's it's kind of like a M.C. Escher-esque picture. Uh, cartoon and there's like a guy in a hole and there's another guy on top of the hole laying down on the ground reaching down trying to reach the guy Mm -hmm. in the hole to help pull him out okay but there's a ladder sitting next to the dude on the main level oh i've seen that yep and he's like it's like you don't know like if they're actually trying to help you or not right you know you have no idea yeah and and so you really have to it's a smokescreen. It is, and you have to dig. Like you have to be, and a lot. Unfortunately, a lot of people aren't willing to nowadays to dig for any information about anything. Right. Like they, they, they're like, oh, my friend, whom I like, uh, posted this thing about some guy in Virginia on Facebook, so it, it's got to be true. Yeah. And it's like, fucking look into it. You yeah, know? like there was this article a couple years ago s- circulating about Islamic people, uh, people that practice Islam, being upset about Christmas lights, and there's like this like cut, like and it looks like an actual news article, and if you like look into it, the picture is taken from a protest in the Middle East about um, the government not doing anything to protect its citizens from suicide bombings. Yeah. But it's referencing one guy that bitched about Christmas lights in his neighborhood in Amsterdam. Yeah. Who happens to be like 125th Middle Eastern. Yeah. And you're just like, what the fuck, dude? Like, Dude, it's – yeah. It, uh, Joe Rogan was talking about he – he has a billionaire friend who's talking about people over in the Middle East, Saudi Arabia, United Emirates, whatever. Right. They're very well – several hundreds if not thousands of trillionaires that have king wealth they have all this prince wealth and it's just accumulated and accumulated well and and that's the thing about saudi arabia like so it's it's run by the crown prince Uh uh-huh that's just the ruling family it's still a feudalistic society there's dozens upon dozens of other princes like everyone in saudi arabia is a fucking like royalty of something right it's weird yeah it's really strange Um, so like the crown prince quote unquote is the crown prince because his family happened to be in power at the time that like yeah got there Ooh, i want to bring up this too because this this still correlates and i want to see how it compares to the education you've received because this investigator um, and this is all, somebody wrote an article about it and all the sources got taken down, like banned, banned, banned yeah. within hours. This investigator claimed that Ebola was manufactured and the patent of it is owned by Bill Gates and by the United States government. 
and the United States government benefited from the money received from vaccination, and Bill Gates played the part in lobbying schools and book manufacturers and historians to manufacture stories about where it came from. And he comes forward with like these vaccinations, like we're going to cure everyone. The United States government gives Mm -hmm. him all of this money for research. Mm -hmm. And he lobbies all of these, uh, these big book corporations. So, so here's, here's my thing. Uh Um, I'm not sure if Ebola was created by a lab or not, but when did they say it came up? Like when was the first reported? Uh, I don't know. Let's look. But currently there's no real like vaccine out there. There's one that's like in the testing phase Mm -hmm. for it. But uh, I, I forget what the common treatment is for it now, but it's basically like a post exposure treatment. And it's like, well, you got exposed. We hope this helps. Yeah. Uh, um, Ebola is a phylo virus, and it okay, started in it started in seventy six apparently near the Democratic Republic of Congo. Um, so let me type in phylo virus. So this is what it looks like. Okay. Um, it causes hemorrhagic fever, obviously. Uh, but, uh, the current medications for Ebola, um, I can't remember what, what it's called. Let me look. Um, so you have a multi-clonal antibody drug. MAB114, and then you have EB3 uh, called Regeneron. Um, They're both antivirals, and um, that is the current best practice treatment for somebody that has Ebola or has been been exposed to Ebola. Um, Ebola doesn't have... Like, I mean, it's got a pretty high mortality rate, mm-hmm. but it's not, like, as bad as people make it out to be, especially in developed countries. Uh, so, I mean, it's got, like, a, let's see, 41 deaths out of 160, so less than half. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's still pretty, that's pretty substantial either way, but... Uh, Like let's let's actually look at it. Sorry, I'm trying to like do multiple things at a time here. Uh, Forty-one divided by one hundred and sixty equals as a twenty-five percent mortality rate. So, um, if Ebola were to spread around the globe mm-hmm. right now and everybody contracted it, it's got the same death toll associated to it. As um, the Black Plague did back in the like 1600s. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I mean, it's it's pretty damning, but it's not. Yeah. You well, know. what I was getting at is that, d- despite what they said in that article, 
the thing that was suspicious to me was that all of the links were taken down immediately, right? They were taken down, and it's associated to Bill Gates, who has one of the largest foundations ever. I mean, he's up there with the, I think it's bigger than the Clinton Foundation. Right. It's huge. And he's big on... The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Right. They're big on all of this shit, right? They're also... He also helped develop one of the biggest gatekeeping tools of all time because he's in the technology field. All the information that we get online is from Bing, Google. That's pretty much it. Unless um, you go dark. Right. And if you go on the dark web, you start to... like. That's why a lot of people, it scares them because they don't want to widen their perspective. Because if you've been told... If I tell you that this and this room is the only room that is in existence, and then all of a sudden, like, outside is radioactive or whatever, and eventually you go outside and you're like, holy fuck, it's not radioactive out here. Like... There's a, there's a movie, actually, called Room. That's just the name of it, Room. Uh-huh. And um, it's about a woman and her son... She was kidnapped, and uh, she's, like, held in this room. Mm -hmm. And you're not really sure where it's at or what it is. There's several locked doors in between her and the outside. Um, And this guy, like, basically, like, raped her, and she got pregnant from it. Okay. And delivered the baby in the room and has raised this kid in this room. Mm -hmm. And, like, all the kid knows is this one fucking room. Yeah. And can't wrap his head around, like, how the rest of the world is outside. Right. Spoiler alert. It's been out for a few years, so fuck you. Um, they escape. And the kid's, like, just, like, like the the mom tells, because the way they, like, they work out this plan, and the kid's going to act like he's dead, and the guy's going to go throw the body in the fucking garbage dump or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... She's like, when you get out, there's going to be so much room to run around. I don't want you to get distracted by anything you see. I want you to run to the first person you see and say, my mom's name is this. And I've been, and we've been missing since this long. Yeah. And, and like the kid, like when he finally makes a break for it, he's just fucking shocked. Yeah. Like he's never seen a full size house before. He's never seen cars. Right. You know, yeah, and it's that's kind of what you're talking about is like, yeah, like, oh, we're in this one room, and then you go like, oh, outside's poison, outside's poison, and then you go outside and it's not poison, right? You know, uh, and that's that's my belief of what most of the information that we receive is because that's modern that's modern warfare is informational warfare. If yes, you can if yes, you yes. can suppress information, you can control a population. Yes, and what powerful people want is happy workers to go to work make their little bit of money and spend as much of it as possible and keep in that loop because as long as you do that you don't have time to question anything they don't want you to have financial independence they don't want you to have that cushion to be able to breathe and actually understand what's going on right right and and i i agree with you and so this is the thing um because you know, like, I didn't do it through my own devices. I don't even know how to do it, like, mm-hmm. the right way. But I've been on the dark web before. Yeah. One of my friends, like, had the setup to do it, and he showed me about it. And 
I mean, there's some disturbing shit out there. Like, you can look at people's hacked phones. Like, people will hack your phone. If you've sent nudes, Yeah. it's out there. Trust right. me. It's fucking out there. Oh, yeah. You can, like, find it on the dark web easily. Easily find it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, there's also a lot of other information out there, legitimate information that, like, is being suppressed. Yeah. Right? That you can probably find through the dark web. Right. That's not being brought through these these filters. Right. And it's, it's, for me, that's where like the the dark web kind of I guess like opens up to like something I'd want to explore more. But I have no fucking idea to how to do it. Oh, I can show you how to safely do it. I'm well. That's neither here nor there. We're not going to talk about that, but um, it's it's totally legal to go on. Like it's not, it's not a it's not illegal to go on there in any way. the The biggest thing is you have to. Then ha- why do you have to IP hop? So you have to because you. Here, okay, so here's I'll give you a story. This happened in it was either Scotland or Ireland. Some guy went onto the deep web. He used Tor, which is the it's like a web browser to be able to access dot onion links. Yeah. Uh, so like here we have .com and they're hosted. Like when you type in .com, it's hosted somewhere. It sends out a signal. Uh, it's hosted on a server and it brings back the information. Right. With an onion server, it's routed around so it can't be traced. So people will expose. That's how. That's where most of the government actually does a lot of their shit. And I'm sure that's where like the big pedophilia ring is too. It's it's all in the dark web. Yeah. Um, like the Jeffrey Epstein shit. Yeah. And I, I think it's referred. So you, it, I think it's called the deep web. And then the dark web is like the illegal activities. The deep web is like the suppressed area. So the whole idea. Okay. So I guess I'm more interested in the deep web. Than right. The dark web. And the whole idea, this is why you need a VPN. This guy in Ireland went on the deep web and he was just looking around and he went to the, he found this website mm-hmm. that was a torture website. And they, what they did was like have hostile shit. They had live stream webcams of people being tortured and then put into oil barrels. And then there were people in the chats being like, this is great. It's like jerking off now and like really deep, deep stuff like that. Yeah. And this guy, and the the admin pops up to the guy. He's like, "Hey, how do you like my website?" And he's like, "What the fuck? Fuck you! How can you do this? I'm gonna call the cops." And he messages the admin messages back, "That's not a good idea, Adam, or whatever." And knew who he was. Knew who he was. He posted his address, his phone number, his parents' address, and then kicked him off the website. The next day, a guy showed up at his house with a sawed-off shotgun. And broke into his house. That's why you use a VPN. If you don't do it safely, you are risking getting hacked. And your information is so easily available for people who know what they're doing. That's why it's so important to do it safe. It's not that it's illegal. It's that there are malicious people out there that if you go into the wrong place. And it's very easy to stay off the wrong places. Don't Just don't start searching for shit. You have to know exactly where you're going. Go to those sites and, and yeah, yeah. See, see, for me, it'd be like, um, you can view government documents. You can no, view, well, it's not even that. It's like, for me, it'd be like more like, uh, learning more about pharmaceutical and medical research that isn't made public. Yeah. 
you know, because like right. how much how much pharmaceutical research is actually made public? Yeah, it's all filtered through the FDA, which is a government organization, right? Um, and the FCC, you know, we get these ads blasted to us like take Ocrevist or fucking whatever. I don't even remember what Ocrevist is, but it's a it's a medication name I remember because. Yeah. It plays on my Hulu ads constantly. Right. And it's like, and so you get these things blasted at you, like, oh, side effects include this, 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 this. And then you go to your doctor and talk about it, and they're like, well, I don't really think that's a good option for you, but, you know, you're really pushing me on it. And, Doctors are worried about their customer service, so they sign somebody up for this pill that they don't necessarily need. Right. What I want to know is, like, okay, anything that's listed as a side effect yeah. happened during trials at some point. Mm-hmm. And you can even look up the number of incidences. Right. But I want to know the true data. Like, I want to know the true raw data and i don't feel like that is actually released to people right because it's dangerous and that's the biggest thing like when you go on the deep web the first time and you come across some of the sick minds and realize that like we're taught that all the terrorists and like terrible things are out like different country like it's safe here it's safe here no, it's the it's domestic not. stuff that happens would fucking like we're not ready for that information as a mass public because if we had that information, people would lose their minds. If yeah. they found out that there was, uh, like Australia, there was that huge snuff film business where that, that guy would like fit, make films right. of uh, killing kids, dismembering them, and having sex with their body, and then burying them, and then doing all these like crazy ritualistic things. And they wouldn't get a couple hundred cells or a thousand. They'd get millions, if not tens of millions of cells. And uh, that's just a reality of it. And that's the stuff that's suppressed because they don't want you to think about that. They want you to be distracted so well, that they can continue to get away and, with it. And here's the thing is like, so I have a friend of mine, like I said, several years ago. It's been a while, but he had access to the, the deep web or the dark web or whatever. And yeah. he typed in my name yeah, on it and it pulled up a bunch of shit about me. Mm-hmm. And it pulled up, like, fucking nudies I sent to my ex-girlfriend from, like, 10 years really? ago. Yeah. Wow. And I was, like, fucking lucky that my credit score is shit right now, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah, it's like, so I much mean, easier than people think. And and I was, like, I had no idea. And he's, like, yeah, dude. And he's, like, look, I can see your dick right there. And I was, like, yeah, well, I can see it, too. I mean, I look at it every day, but. God damn. <laughs> yeah, we're all so much more exposed. And they have all these products. That's the funny thing. Like, you can go into Experian and pay 40 bucks a month, and they give you, like, dark web protection and all of this shit. They're just taking your money, dude. If there's The smartest people with computers are not the people working at the FBI or the NSA oh, or the CIA. No. They're people who are dark, twisted minds that get off on things you wouldn't even believe and, and they want to find a way to do it so then they learn and they learn and they learn and yeah like like they they want to 
get off on hacking someone's phone, you know, or yeah. or viewing some like you said some sort of Australian child snuff porn film and that's the whole point of the government right it's not and remember how you said the capitol buildings all look the same yes so it it goes back to yeah they all have the little dome and they're like equal on both sides it goes back to secret societies even in the united states judicial system right there's a sign in freemasonry that is putting your hand over your chest kind of tucked in your jacket Uh uh-huh you can see judges doing it and the defendant doing it and the judge will release them with no explanation really uh, it happens more often than people. Like it, it's so, such. An, so what you're saying is, if I ever get on trial, I need a. You could try it. To do the Napoleon tuck. You could try it, and that's the thing. Napoleon did it. Like, yeah. look at all these old pictures of people doing it. It's a power structure. It's, Napoleon, Washington. There's it, paintings of them doing it. Right. Yeah. It's distracting from asking the real questions. Did we go to the moon? Didn't we go to the moon? How about what's on the moon? No one asked that question. No one asked. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's some dirt and rocks up there. Could be. Could be. But is it really a viable uh, solution to say, oh, we went several times in the 60s and then we just stopped after that? We had no interest at all after that. We lost the technology to do it. There's there's an idea that there's like actually a hidden Nazi base up there. Have you heard of that? There's there's a there's like a theory. There's also theory. There's also theory that the Nazis have already been to Mars and uh, that, that goes deep into the rabbit hole. And the whole reason that we're so gung ho about going to Mars now is finding out if the Nazis were there that, and more so how did they acquire the technology to do that? And that's where all all the alien stuff sparked. The Nazis were the first one to propagate uh, aliens. They were the first ones. Uh, Well, and they, they say that they got their, some of their technology from people that like were not of this world. And I talked to who did I talk to about this? Anyways, the the uh, the people that surrounded Hitler when he was going mad were deep into the occult, deep into all these ritualistic things. Right. And imagine if you're like this guy who just wants change. Like I'm not comparing Hitler. I'm not saying one thing or another about Hitler, but I'm just saying imagine you're a billionaire, you have all these plans, and all of a sudden all these friendly people start coming towards you. You think like, "Oh, they're my friend." And then slowly you start to learn like these fucks are doing like Satan worshipping. Like you walk into a room and they're all pentagrammed and they're like all holding hands and shit. Like I'd probably strip down and dance in the middle of the pentagram to be honest. Yeah. Just to see what would happen. Uh, I would be freaked the fuck out if that happened over like a two, three year term. Like if, like if you, for example, found out like way after I moved, like you found all this shit in the wall of like freaking old symbolism and like satanic shit and like all of this weird stuff that went walls inside the walls from, from like you. Not even for, let's say it's unexplainable. Let's say under the wood, there's like pentagrams and shit. What would that, would that throw you for a loop at all? I mean, it would make me question it, but the fact that I don't know when it happened, I'd be like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of like a person that like, I believe there's a spiritual realm mm-hmm. and I believe that there's like other powers out there and and whatnot but if i came across a pentagram randomly carved into like the underside of my floorboards yeah 
I'm throwing the floorboards away anyway. Like, if I'm tearing yeah. them up at that point, like, they're already fucking gone. So why the fuck do I care? Yeah. Would that I'd be, be like, oh, that's weird. I think Garbage. that would, that would freak me the fuck out if I moved into a place and like weird shit was happening. Like no explanation for it. Like the, kind of like the movie that we watched where they broke open the freaking the walls house. and there were bodies inside. What movie was that? I don't even remember. I I, I don't either. I know it wasn't the witch's house. No. <laughs> God awful movie. Instantly forgettable. Even though we remember the name. Yeah. <laughs> It was so bad we remember the name. It's kind of like Evil Dead 1. <laughs> but um, God bless you, Bruce Campbell. I love you, and I hope to have you on this podcast one day. The fact that you've been on the deep web means you've had an expanded perspective of what's out there. And even oh, yeah. since since you've been overseas, you've had an expanded perspective of what's out there. Been um, overseas multiple times. Been on the deep web a couple of times. But when you really dive deep into getting past the Twitters and the Facebooks and the Googles and the Bings, the things that are being gatekeepers. Even Alex Jones is a gatekeeper. It's it's all a gatekeeping. Make the freaking frogs gay. Yeah, I, I'm of the true belief that you don't get ultra rich without without something happening. Yeah. Not necessarily like selling your soul or whatever, but there are powers that be, like the Epsteins, yeah, see, and uh, I, I don't even know, like, I'm I'm going to kind of sit on this one thing that you just brought up, selling your soul. Yeah. I'm not even sure if, like, souls exist, to be honest. Well, it's measurable, right? When you die, energy leaves the body. That's been measured. So I, I'm a firm belief that there's energy within us and perception is what makes us us oh, and everything. Oh, okay, but, like... Energy leaves, yeah. yes, but all energy is transferred, okay? Right. A cow ate grass. The energy from the sun came down and grew the grass. Okay. The cow ate the grass, and now it's taken on the energy from the, the sun via the grass. Okay. okay. And now you eat the cow. You, you're basically just taking that energy in sure. through a different route. So, like, you die... Energy is transferred, period. Right. Like, like they're like, oh, energy leaves the body. Is that just the electro, like, magnetic waves from your, your heart stopping beating? I don't know. Or, or, or whatever, you know. But the fact of the matter is, if you look at anything, yeah. anything out there, it's literally, it, it, it's a form of energy. Right. Me, I die. If I don't get cremated or whatever, yeah, I go in the ground, I become warm food. Worms eat me. My energy transfers to them. They get eaten by a bird. That bird, like my energy, gets transferred to the bird, and so on and so on and so on. Yeah, like um, if you get cremated, your energy is transferred to heat. Right. Right. I mean, like yeah. it's it's just the energy. But my idea. Of when people die. Like, I, I've i thought this through quite a bit, and I don't know. This is just my wacky perspective, I guess. But when we die, we I believe all of our energy goes back into the same pool of energy that's out there, and it gets reincarnated in some way. Okay, so that's kind of like a Buddhist ideal. Okay, and uh, 
However, it's like watching a movie. How many times do you watch a movie and then you watch it a second time and you're like, oh shit, I didn't, I, I missed that last time. Plenty of times. What if we're just consciousness scavenging this plane for as much information as we can, doing it over and over and over again, trying to collect as much as we can? Now, energy can go both ways. I view it as yin and yang. If you Andrew view, Yang? Not Andrew Yang. <laughs> if you view it as the white and the black side of yin and yang, are there two sides to the energy that our, our will can be sent to? Are there okay. two conglomerates? So now, now, now you're getting into some like full philosophical stuff. And um, fuck, where were we at before I s- settled on this souls thing? I don't know. I can't remember. Deep web, all that. Yeah, I'll, we can go back and listen and figure it out. <coughs> um, but so if you look at Buddhism, okay, and you, you are actually preparing food the other day yeah when i was on the phone with my mother and she was asking me about buddhism because um i'm not like ordained or anything but i am a buddhist i have a buddhist name yeah and uh i'm probably not the best buddhist in the world that's for damn sure uh i'm maybe not the worst but i'm definitely not the best and uh she was asking me all these questions uh, about it but if you if you look at buddhism there's this will of samsara okay and i might even be able to pull that up really quick and show it to you so uh the will of samsara if you look it up it's a very colorful color colorful picture and a lot of people may have this hanging in their house just because they think it looks nice but if you look at it closely, uh, it's actually the Buddhist life uh, cycle of life and death. Okay. Um, so you have like heavenly beings and you have hell beings. Okay. And then you have the stuff in between, different levels of suffering, and uh, and um, enlightenment and pleasure. Okay. And uh, here, here, right here, Caden, mm-hmm. is the life on the left side and the death on the right. Okay. And then the outer will, you have heaven, hell, and then the stuff in between. Okay. And no one spends, like, when you die. So this is the beautiful thing about this, is when you die, if you go to hell... Yeah. You're not there for eternity. Uh-huh. You're there to learn a lesson and then move on. And then you're thrust back into one of these other two middle layers. Right here and right here. Yeah. And um so what you're kind of alluding to is like this cycle of birth, death, rebirth. And it's all to gain knowledge and perspective. Yeah. That's kind of what this whole picture here is about. And suffering and all of that. Yeah. yeah. And like, and you learn through suffering and you like grow through it. And you, I, I don't know. I really want one of these for my home. Yeah. I like that. Um, 
Especially since I know what it means. However, <laughs> I don't have that kind of money. Yeah. Uzi, no. Um, they're always fairly expensive. They're always handmade, usually. Um, and gold-plated. They're, like, woven in with gold. So this has probably got some gold in it. Here's a more colorized picture of the same thing. Um, but, yeah, like I was saying, uh, my mom was, like, talking to me about this. And when I... Uh, fresh brains for zombie Buddha. Okay, well, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Um, but I, I was like telling her, um, kind of, cause she just read a book by Thich Nhat Hanh, which is a Buddhist monk from, uh, Vietnam. Okay. And she was like, oh, this was like life changing and stuff. And I, I kind of had the same experience a few years ago, but my mom is like a hardline fucking like Christian. No one expects the Spanish inquisition sort of person. Uh-huh. And when I told her, oh, I'm going to be a Buddhist, I'm truly going to pursue this. And she told me, everything's okay in moderation. That, like, super upset me. But um, I, I was so happy that she reached out and asked me about it. Because, like, like, you know, I, I don't try to push it on anybody. Mm-hmm. Like, I believe what I believe. Right. Um, and I'm not the best at practicing it. But I, I, I'm I, not going to go stand on the corner of freaking State Street and 100 South and be like, you, you guys have to believe in this, you know? Like, right. So um, – it was really touching for her to actually like reach out to me and talk to me about that. Nice. Nah. Boom. Okay, so that was a significant break. Um, <laughs> one little bathroom break turned into 20 minutes of looking at some stuff on Snapchat. Yeah. Uh, that's okay. So you didn't want to talk about LPN? Or nope. the other one? No, nope, because I don't know. Either? Uh, well, I, I don't mind. I'm going to go on the date. I mean, regardless. When are you going on this date? I'm actually going to go on a couple. Like, she, she kept reaching out to me. That was the thing. She was like, do you reach out to me? And she was like, we should go out sometime. I'm like, cool, let's do it. And then uh, she wanted to go ice skating. And I was like, hey, I'll tell you. Right. I was like, I'll tell you what. Let's go, let's go bowling first. Because... Primarily, want to get cut by ice skates? No, I said we'll go the next. Okay, so I told her we go bowling. I was like, "Look, I don't know you. Um, okay, let's go bowling first. We can get some food. We can get like some beer, whatever, whatever you want." I normally don't make like dates before the first date. After that, I was like, "You seem really nice. Would you mind going bowling this week, and then we'll go ice skating either the next week or the week after?" And she's like, "Yes." So I was like, cool. So we're going to go bowling first. And when is this? Monday. It's Monday. Next, it's next Monday, yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, congratulations. Like, 
Yeah. I mean, you live here. If you need Liz and I to go downstairs, let me know. I don't think so. She seems like a, like a really good girl in the sense that like she's super attractive, but at the same time really shy, okay. which is like perfect for me. Like she's really interested in like the human body exercise, all of that. But I I have not to this day met a woman <clears throat> that reaches out to me in the morning and like says good morning and like super nice and friendly. And, and that's her? Yeah. Okay. Not a bitch. That's that's what I'm getting at. Is that most of the women that I date are like get turned bitchy. Yeah, and see, um Or hard to get. Yeah, I mean like I don't even know if you heard it, but when Liz came home I heard her come home uh-huh and i i just texted her like welcome home i love you we're recording right now yeah uh, and right that was enough but liz was kind of like that when i started seeing her is like she was uh like she was a really interesting person but she was also kind of shy and yeah and, and stuff like that and didn't play, didn't play games. Didn't play hard to get. Didn't do anything weird like that. But yep, um, she was just herself, you know. Right, and that's that's always nice. Like <laughs> finding somebody that's not trying to play games is always nice. Yeah, and I've known her for a while too. I think we matched on Tinder like over a year ago. Really, mul- multiple times. Like I'd delete the account, make a new one, and then match with her again. And I would ask her out, and then she would just not respond. So really? Like, I was like, oh, okay. She doesn't want to go out, whatever. Does she recognize you from Tinder at all? Yeah, she knows. I mean, we know. But then she signed up for the NASM program, which is the program that I'm doing. So I reached out and talked to her about it. And then that's where it like sparked a conversation of being not so much about just like going out, but like establishing interest. Yes. Because she's the, it doesn't seem like she's the type that would just like want to meet up and then get to know you in person. Like right. really shy. Really, really shy. Right. And I think that's something that this whole Tinder, I'm going to call it the Tinder generation. but Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the Tinder generation, which includes my generation and your generation and the ones after you. Yeah. J- just like the whole Tinder ideal has lost. Um you know, Liz and I met because of friends, mutual yep. friends. Right. So we had friends that we ran in the same circles with. Uh-huh. And so, therefore, we obviously have common interests. Right. You know, uh, it, it's really hard to find nowadays people that meet through common interests like that. Right. And, uh you know, it's like, or I think it's a lot of shielding too, because I think a lot of guys will just add someone on Tinder and just message immediately. Are you DTF? Are you ready to get down? Like just aggressive right out the gate. Cause there's no, there's no correlation between this thing and real life. Like no right. one would say that to someone in real life, like walk up to right. them and just say that. I mean, I'll walk out into the living room and say that I'll get slapped. Yeah. But I also know my wife well enough. Like, but you would never do that to someone you don't know. Right. right but right. a lot of guys will do that because it's a phone. Like, right. it's it's like the there, repercussions no, are so little. There, There's no association. So it's like I felt like I had to get through that process of being like, okay, 
I would just like post some of the things on the because they have the little stories on Snapchat. You like post what you're doing or whatever. That's like the only way to date nowadays. It feels like, like if they don't know the type of person you are, they immediately assume you're an asshole fuck boy who just wants some poo-tang. That's right. just immediately right. what they go to. The guys have ruined it. It's the guys of Tinder that are the problem. It's not. I don't think it's the women. Really? Yeah, I I truly think that. Okay. Speaking of guys, fuck boys, Aaron. <coughs> I don't know, man. You've had more contact with him than I have. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, it's driving me fucking crazy. Yeah. Actually, now I need, to, I need to message my friend Chevy, who went to high school with him. He's actually moving to Salt Lake County. He lives in Logan. He grew up with Aaron, too. So I told him to come on the podcast and we can get his perspective on Aaron as well. Because he was yes. in my friend circle yes. too, so he knows him really well. And we tried to record a podcast with Aaron, but uh, it didn't record well. There was some shit off with the uh, acoustics or whatever. But um, And then he fled the state the next uh, time. Uh, yeah, and, and now he's gone. And I have a fucking suitcase of his shit at my house. Um, and I don't know what to do with it. Uh I told him he had to be out of my house by Saturday. Like, I was just giving him a place to... Last Saturday. Yeah, yeah. To, to get his shit together. And, um, you know, like, that was, like, Sunday. And I was like, you can stay at my house for one week. Yeah. And he left on Thursday last week. Hasn't been back since. Right. I'm not complaining because he's not in my house. Yeah. But I have his shit in my house. Right. You know? And I'm like... And I try to talk to him like, hey, when are you coming back for your stuff? Yeah. When my friend's car gets fixed. What the fuck? I didn't hear about this. Really? I no, I didn't know about that. Yeah. He's like, well, I'm up in Idaho, so I'll come... I'll get it when I come back to Salt Lake, but my friend's car broke down. Ha ha, is what he texted me. Does everyone have car problems from Idaho, I think? Um, just the drug addicts, I suppose. I guess so. Shit, man. Like, I, I mean, like, I, I don't know that much about Aaron, and I don't want to cast, like, a whole bunch of, like, negative, like, negative stuff his way. Yeah. But my interactions with him up to this point have left a lot to be yeah. desired. Yeah. Um, I was just trying to be a good guy and like help a guy out that was like new to the area. And now I'm stuck with a bag full of fucking clothes and God knows what else. Cause I don't go through other people's stuff. I might as well at this point though. Um, guy had, uh, warrants in Idaho, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, I mean, he could be sitting in jail in Idaho. (laughs) I don't fucking know. Yeah. Yeah, you never know, man. And that's my downfalls. I always, I always take like the better part of somebody, like I trust them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it bites me in the ass. Like, right? It, it, it's still like this whole situation wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have. I would have been able to go to sleep and like go to bed on time, get up and go to work uh, that day that we had to go get his car and get his roommate shit or whatever. And it was right. all because I answered a text. Right. One text I answered sent down the spiral. And that's the thing that I keep coming back to is it's constant with that kid. It's really? the same thing. 
I'll respond thinking like, oh, I want to change. I want to change. And then I respond and something happens and it drags me a little bit into the mud and I don't like it. Right. So then that kind of calluses me to being like, well, fuck them. I, I don't want to help uh, as much anymore. Like, I just don't. Yeah. And um, the only reason I was willing to stretch out a hand to him, like, if I've got somebody with a, with a friend, like, say, if Simon came to me and was like, hey, I've got this buddy. They need a place to, to stay for two weeks. Yeah. Cool. Bring him on in. Yep. You know, um, the only reason I was letting, willing to let him stay at my house is because of you. Yeah. To be honest. Uh, like, I don't give a shit about uh, money when it comes to helping other people out. Yeah. If there's like a homeless guy asking for change and I've got the, uh, the capability, I'll just hand him 20 bucks. Right. Move on with my life. Yeah. Uh, I would have done the same for Aaron, you know, like I, I'll, I'll do shit like that all the time, but staying in my house is a different story. And, uh, I let, I let him in here without consulting my wife because of my relationship with you Mm -hmm. and it hasn't affected my relationship with you, but, uh, it, it just showed that he's like basically a fucking shitty person. Yeah. You know, cause like, and he pulled the blinds over my eyes too. Like the whole idea of like, I try to be a good person and help people when they need to. I didn't even have the inclination of him staying here. I didn't know what to do. Um, and you were more generous than I was in that sense. Because when he asked like, what can I stay with you? is like, that's not up to me. I have no say in that whatsoever. It's right. not my house. I'm a guest in their house. I can't say that. I'm not even right. going to talk. I, I wasn't even going to talk to you about it. Yeah. And I just offered it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so for, for me, it's like, I, I usually try to give people the benefit. Um, me too. And like, I, I, I don't know, man. Um, he was here for a few days and then I started smelling weed in my house. And I told him from like day one, hour one, we yeah. walked in, he set his fucking suitcase down, and I told him, like, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't have a problem with marijuana. I don't. Couldn't give a shit less about it. Just don't smoke it in my house. Don't do anything in my house that would cause me to smell it in my house. And he broke that rule. Right. Yeah, like I don't know if he smoked it in here, but you could definitely smell it. Smelt it enough to the point where my wife noticed it, mm-hmm. and you know, like it, it's such an easy thing to follow. Like, really easy. Like I live in a, I I live in a neighborhood that's got a lot of space in between me and the other neighbors. I smell um, the neighbors smoking it constantly too. Yeah. It's not like it's taboo in this neighborhood. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I've smelled it, it several times. Yeah, it does. But even beside that point is like I've got a covered patio outside away from my back door. It's not hard to step out and 
you know, do your thing for a minute and come back in. Like my friends that smoke cigarettes do that when they come over. Yeah. It's not that big of a deal, you know? Um, and it's, it's just like, uh, the fact that I could smell in my house was like problematic. And then once Liz started smelling it, that turned into an even larger problem. And the next day he was gone right after I talked to him about it. Yeah. That was the day I texted you and I was like, Hey, if you're still awake, could you come out here? Cause oh. I wanted your perspective on that. Gotcha. I wanted you to like. I was wondering what that was about. I was like, "Oh shit, did something happen?" Because I didn't see that till the next morning until I got to work. Yeah, and and so what what happened is, uh, um, I I was actually trying to get you to come out to talk to Liz about. Yeah, my my handwriting's shit when I'm drunk too. Sorry about it's a hard last skill. Week. Yeah. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm not mad. But um I I was uh I was trying to talk to Liz and be like, you know, if he was actually actively smoking it right now, it'd be way more potent than it is. Yeah. Um she's like, "Well, could he just have the window open?" I was like, "It would still be more potent." And it it was like starting to turn into an argument with us. Yeah. And that's when I texted you and I was like, Hey, if you're still awake, if you could, you come out here, please. Um, and you didn't after a few minutes. And I was like, fuck it. And so I just went back into his room. I was like, you need to get this shit out of my house. Yeah. I told you once. Yeah. Like I was, I was more polite about it, but I was like, I, you know, I've, I, I talked to you about this day one, hour one. Right. Fucking within the first 30 minutes of you stepping foot in my house, I talked to you about this. Right. I was like, you know, it, it needs to be out of my house. And he's like, I'll go put it in my car. I was like, great. Sounds sounds fantastic. Mm-hmm. See, and he didn't tell me any of that either. Really? No. And, and I was like, I, I sized him up. I was like, knowing this guy, if he has to go out to his car for a joint, he's going to smoke in his car. Like... He's not going to bring it back inside. Right. Like, he just seems too lazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, I uh, I mean, like, he, he seems like he's got the such so much potential to be, like, just on track and, yeah. like, really get his shit together and do well. Shit, he's had four fresh starts. And... I mean, like, it's falling back into the comfort of friends that are going to fuck you up. Like, he didn't stay out with me that long. I I don't know him that well, but it, when I like through my conversations with him throughout that one week, it was like, you know, oh yeah, I have uh, this legal problem, but it's because of this. Yeah, it's because of this. It's because of this. Yeah. It's like it's it's not taking accountability for your own actions and right. um I agree. It's like f- for me accountability's huge. Yeah. It it it's to the point where I've lost my job over it. Right. 
You know, I could have easily said something else and been like, oh, no, I didn't say anything like that. Right. I don't know where they got that from, but, yeah, you know, but it's like, no, I, I'll fucking own up to my mistakes. Yeah. Like, if I were to wind up in jail for some reason, and, like, I know it's something that I did that put me there, then, you know, that's on, that's on me. That's not on the legal system. Yeah. And it it just seems like he kind of has an excuse for everything, and I I hope that he can kind of get get shit together for himself, you know. Sure, he uh, will. It just depends on the. Well, it it really timeline that and it it's who he's surrounding himself with. Yeah. Like I had that neighbor in my old neighborhood. Um, she was like addicted to drugs and. Yeah. You know, into all sorts of shit. And uh she made it she made a decision to like make a big life change and started surrounding her pe- herself with different people and like really focusing on it and now it's been like 3 4 years and she's been completely clean that whole time. Yeah. You know, out of the legal system, has custody of her kid. Everything's going pretty good. I mean, like, she's probably still having a hard time with money, because who isn't? But, uh, you know, like, it's the second she start, she looked at herself and was like, I have to change. Right. It's not the system that's fucking me. It's me fucking me. Yeah. Yep. Um, I agree. And the fact that I've seen it twice in my own life from Mm -hmm. through other people like stepping up and going like, Oh, this is a problem I've created. Yeah. Like, and watching them do a complete 180 in the matter of like 12 to 18 months. Yeah. There's no reason why he can't do it. And well, it's really just making a decision. It was the same thing with these monthly challenges I've been doing. It was like, All of them I didn't want to do. I made the fucking decision at the beginning, and I was like... Right. And if I want to go longer on any of them, I could have, but it's like one month. I can do one month. You start out with one week. Like, if I can say one week, or like even... Even even, a day. Even one day. I get to today, I'll I'll do my addiction tomorrow. I'll do whatever that is tomorrow. Whatever it is. And then you tell yourself the next day, and you like inch your way out of it. And then right, you, right, you get right. a week into it and you're like, oh shit, I did that. And you roll off the momentum of like being accomplished with yourself. And and we were talking about this with Aaron when he was on here and we we're not publishing it because the sound quality shit, but, um, you know, uh, do you want another one of something? Fuck it. Yeah. Um, Linda would come over to me and be like. I've been clean for three days. And I'm like, that's fucking awesome. You know, most people uh, that are addicted to drugs will say that to you. And um, a, a, a lot of other people will be like, well, the only reason you're, you've been clean for so long for, for three days is because you're out of money. Yeah. And, she, and she'd come up to me, and she's like, I've been clean for 16 hours. I've been clean for three days. I've been clean for a week. You know? And you're like, oh, that's great. That's great. That's great. And then all of a sudden, it's like four months. 
Yeah. And you're like, she's not fucking around. She's really trying to right. stay yeah. clean. Well, even you know? then, like, in AA, they teach you, like, you're always an addict. Like, no matter right. what. Um, like, you know Bobby Lee, the comedian. Yeah, of course. He was sober for 17 years, and he just came out on a podcast saying that he relapsed when his dad died. Okay. Um, but Alcohol or something else. I'm not sure. He didn't mention that. He didn't say. But he was so positive about it in the sense that, like, I went through a program. I've been sober for... 14 days or whatever it was, or like four weeks or whatever, whatever the right, time right, period was. Right. But the idea of like, it's just starting over again. Like one relapse isn't going to like kill you. It's the mentality of like getting yeah. back. Cause we, yeah. like, we all make mistakes no matter what you, you fall down, you pick yourself up. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, if somebody like that can do it, like 17 years of sobriety and then they slip slip yeah it, it, anyone's susceptible to it yeah and um you know i've i've had people throughout my life like not just linda but like other people when i was in my um motorcycle club back yeah. in california we we had a guy who was an alcoholic right and he was like seven or eight years clean and a huge part of, like, the motorcycle club community is just going out and drinking. Yeah. And he'd always get a Dr. Pepper, you know? Yeah. I fucking applaud him for that. For sure. You know, I and uh, I, I'm sure he slipped plenty of times before yeah. he got to the point where the counter started to where he was like years sober. He could even still slip. I mean, it, it, it could have it really could I happen. I mean, to like anyone. yeah, I honestly like this guy I have mad respect for him, but like if he if he loses a child, yeah. I could see him slipping. Right. And that's not a weakness on his part in my mind. No. I mean, that's just a fucking hard thing to deal with. It, it definitely is. I think the only way with any addiction, the only way you can be 100% assured that you'll never be addicted to that thing again is to never start in the first place. Like, if, I would tell people never to drink. Right. And I And I drink. Like, if you haven't drank already, I would say don't. Right. Right. If you if you've never smoked a cigarette, don't do it. Or if you've never had that, like, you've never had the need to and somebody pressures you into it. Like, for me, it's Coke. I won't do it. I, right. never, I never will. Right. Because it's an addiction. If you do it once, you're susceptible to falling into the trap and you're always an addict of that vice. Right, right. So for me, it's easier to say, no, I'm good. I don't want to do that. And not saying that it's, you know, for people out there who've done it, I'm not saying I'm better than you or anything. I'm just saying but that. It, it, it's always easier to stay away from it if you haven't done it before. Yeah. You know, like, realistically, that's what it comes down to yeah beer beer and alcohol was, was the hard one for me because it's like it becomes so a part of like the day-to-day -day of like come home have a just a couple drinks just to unwind especially when you're working a job like a, a repetitive job over and over and you just need that like mental thing and then you fall into the habit and then eventually it just becomes lifestyle and it set me back in my fitness goals, 100%. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm I'm definitely a fat fuck because of alcohol and no other reason. Well, you're not a fat fuck, but, I mean, in the okay, same situation I, I, as me, like, you would be in a different spot if we didn't drink at all. 
but that's not an option now because we've exposed ourselves to that vice at one point or time. Like it's just something that is there and it's now moderation. It's now containment. It's now regulation. Yes. Yeah. And, and so what I'm going to say for me is the, as far as the fat fuck thing, a lot of people would look at me and be like, you're not a fat guy. Mm-hmm. However, compared to where I was four years ago, yeah, totally different, one hundred percent different. My wife says it to me, yeah, you know, like, and and I'm an average American mm-hmm. now, but uh, I I was in shape. I was in very good shape. Yeah, before. Uh, and, and I'm not now. And I, I think honestly, part of that's my willingness to work out. Yeah. The other part is definitely alcohol. I've found a very big fondness for alcohol since I got out of the military. I disdained it while I was in the military. Yeah. Um, I, I can't even, uh, really fully remember what was going on, but. Uh, I had a commander. His name's uh, I. I don't even remember his last name. Uh, now I do. Bill, Commander Bill. I I talked to him. Um, I was very close with this guy. He he was in my very first command, and then I <clears throat> went up to um be an FMF corpsman, and he wound up following me over to that command eventually. I ran into him and I was talking to him about all this stuff and he's like just keep your nose clean you know like don't don't drink and drive and stuff and I I, I still don't do that um I will go at any length not <laughs> to do that but yeah I, I I told him at the time I was like I've seen so many people get fucked up for that that I haven't taken a drink since I joined the navy and that was the god's honest truth mm-hmm. at the time yeah. Um and unfortunately I couldn't say that now. You know, yeah. like I feel I feel like that part of me is completely gone. And it's it's really unfortunate. Like I don't like being in the position I'm in. And a lot of people will say, Well, just decide to change and it's it, it's really not that simple. I I agree. I think, and a big part of it is too. like, I know your whole thing, whether this be Buddhism or or whatever you view God as or whatever in AA, you have to submit to some sort of higher power in the sense that it's out of your control. And so in some sense, whether it be God, Buddhism, like the fault, like your, your demons, your suffering, whatever it is. Um, accepting the fact that in some ways it's out of your hand i don't know how much do you believe in like astrological stuff not at all you don't believe it like so like planets and whatnot no not at all so i didn't used to and the more i did research into it i guess it made sense because there's actual science behind it is that the idea is that all of these planets all nine planets put off different frequencies right well, yeah, I mean, they're different masses. They're, they're different, different masses. They're different chemical compounds. They're they're made up of different things, right? Right, right. And the idea is that 
depending on your cellular structure, like you were, you were born at a specific time, right? You were born when certain planets were in certain places, um, in yeah. certain rotation right. on the earth that was spinning in, in some way. Uh, and you were born in a sliver of time that repeats itself throughout the 365 uh, day cycle. Right. The idea is that through your astrological sign, there's 12 of them, depending on what part of the month you were born in, uh, not necessarily equivalent to the month, but that you enter these lunar cycles. And that's why, like, you know, when you were younger and you hit a point in your life and it's unexplainable how your life changed, like, it's just like something changed. Yes. That's the idea is that these planets, depending on their position around the earth, give off frequencies that affect different people because they're made up of different cellular structure because they were born in a certain point in time. And that's okay. where I found astrology super fucking interesting. And I used to think it was fucking bullshit, dude. I used to think the people that like got their psychic readings done and stuff were yeah. dumb as shit. But when I saw there was a scientific aspect of it, of frequency and being and spirituality and like but like does that go back to when you were born or when you were conceived when you were conceived when you gained consciousness because like uh, i wouldn't i wouldn't even know when to say like full consciousness comes about do you have any memories from when you were one year old i have earliest memories were late two when I was two. Like, maybe. You I, might be bungling that a little bit because... I have distinct memory of when I was three. I know for a fact because when I watched... My parents did, like, all the home movies with, like, the big-ass camcorder. Yeah. And uh, I was three. I was, like, playing in a sandbox. But I remember, like, oh, where's the part where I did this? It wasn't the part I was doing. I had the memory of scooping sand out of my sandbox and, like, putting it in the garden. Like, I just remember doing that. Right, right. And because of the videos, I know I was three. Um, I, I have that distinct memory. I have early memories, but I mean, when you get 90, you don't have memories of being 20. True. Like you have little things that affected you. Um, the idea is when you were conceived because that's when consciousness was like started, started theoretically. That's when, okay, like cause... if you, if you got pinched, you like cried cause you were responding to stimulus from the outside source. Okay. Um, the idea of astrology isn't so much about this divine intervention. It's about frequencies that these planets put off and okay. how that affects. Because, I mean, our, even neurons fire signals. Right. It's all right. signals. So why can't these planets affect how we perceive everything? And I'm not saying that that's not true, but... It was a rhetorical question. I wasn't, like, challenging or anything. Okay, but, like, I was... I, I don't know. I've never really looked into astrology that much. Like, I'm just, like... I'm a Ge Gemini jerk-off emoji, you know? Like, yeah. That means fucking nothing to me. Yeah. The coolest thing about me being a Gemini is I'm an actual twin. Yeah. That's... Yeah. <laughs> like and what what time is gemini like born between it's like in may and june i think like the may to june area see and the thing is like yeah third zodiac sign um 
between May 21st and June 21st. Yep. There you go. Gemini is represented by the twins Castor and Pollux. Yeah. So even that is like a strange coincidence, right? Yeah. And that's why I say that's the coolest thing about me being a Gemini period is like I'm an actual twin and it's like this so-called like twin star structure. You should in the sky. You should. I used to think it was all bullshit, but if you do like, if you look into like the tarot readings or whatever, things that were laid out to me from a tarot person that I hired one time, like when I was, you remember when I was big into the real estate and reading all the books and shit, Mm -hmm. I hired a tarot reader and she said, you're about to gain significant knowledge in real estate. And I had no fucking like connection to that. Like I didn't tell her shit. Right. These cards that she pulled out and how she interpreted them. uh, And it goes, it goes deep, dude. It goes into latitude and longitude of where you were born, like the city and state. Um, There's all of these different factors. And I think that's what's so fascinating is because if you were born between these hours on this day in this point in time on this year, the planets were aligned this way and they've now rotated this way and they're accurately able to tell you what's happening. And they're like, between this year and this year, you were in this cycle. This planet symbolizes um, whatever, like love or whatever. And you happen to be in a relationship between those two, like those couple years. It's fucking weird, dude. I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying it's bizarre as shit. Well, it, it fascinates the hell out of me. There's a, a place I can take us to get our cards read oh, tomorrow. Really? really? It's Tom- expensive, dude. It's like $80. We could go tomorrow. Yeah? Yeah. Where's it at? <laughs> um, it's at a place called the Golden Braid. <coughs> it's attached to a restaurant called o- Oasis. Okay. Um, I go there fairly often. Um I go to Oasis for their tomato soup and uh, sourdough grilled cheese. Okay. Uh, the Golden Braid is just this kind of like, for lack of a better term in American terminology, uh, this like weird new agey shop, but it's a lot of like Buddhist and Hindu stuff mixed with astrology and tarot cards and Wiccan and yeah. Yeah. Uh, we could probably walk in there tomorrow and get our cards read. Yeah, without a problem. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a interesting thing. So, uh, my mom used to be kind of into that back when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Not like a kid, kid. I was probably like a teenager ish. Okay. Uh, but at that time in my life, I was like gung ho, one hundred percent, like super Christian. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought she was like pla- basically like on the verge of practicing witchcraft. So I I've had this weird like tenuous relationship with that kind of like ideal, just okay. because of where I was at when I was first introduced to it. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, and and now like I'm at a completely different place in my life and. Uh, we were talking about it earlier, you know, like the whole transition to Buddhism for me, when I told my, my mom about that, 
uh, she didn't have like the best reaction in the world to it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And she like tried to apologize for that last night, and I was like, well, knowing my mom, you're probably full of shit. But it's what I needed in my life at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that's kind of where I'm at right now with spirituality is like, you know, there's no correct answer to how you take care of yourself as a whole person. Yeah. I mean, like, medically, clearly there's a correct answer. Like, you either have hypertension and diabetes or you don't, you know. Yeah. And most of that's going to be determined on your lifestyle. For sure. But, like, your own, like, moral compass and guide through life can change. For sure. Yeah. And I, it fundamentally comes down to don't be an asshole. Do you know what Liz's zodiac is? Pisces. Pisces? Okay. Yeah, it's a... Uh... It's a strange thing. I, I I think I see it more realistic now that it was explained to me as energy that sent off like like satellites emitting 4G or whatever. Okay. Um same same premise in okay. that the different things you go through in life like people say like going through depression or whatever like it gets better. It gets better. I don't know how to explain it now. Life changes. I yeah, and if you've ever been in a truly like major depressive episode, yeah, you're like, how? Right. How the fuck does it get better? Do you even feel like the same person that you were five years ago? No. Neither do I. But like, so here's my thing. Okay, I've had a lot change in the last five years. Mm-hmm. Five years ago, I was in the military. Yeah. As active duty, I was training a bunch of reservists how to do a shock trauma platoon setup and right. running through scenarios. Yeah. That's probably about where I was at in my career at the time. I got out of the military and I floundered for probably close to a year. Okay. Just kind of like trying to keep my head above water. Didn't know what the fuck was going on. Yeah. Um. So, like, I've had a lot of, like, just day-to-day life changes. Mm-hmm. But I bet we could go to Matt Kelling. Yeah. Who has had zero day-to-day life changes in the mm-hmm. last ten years. Yeah. I can say this from experience because I worked with him before I joined the military. Yeah. And then I worked with him after I joined the military. He was basically in the same fucking situation after I got discharged after like six or seven years of active duty. Yeah. Um, And he probably feels like a completely different person. So it's like it's really weird because your day to day doesn't change. Right. Nothing changes about your day-to-day. Isn't that weird? I mean, it can. My day-to-day has changed quite a bit. Yeah, but I mean, like... But um, it, it, in the... in the per- I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. The perception of, of what you're going through is one thing as well. The interesting thing about astrology is that certain 
zodiac signs in certain times that they were born Mm -hmm. can have longer exposure to different planet signals. According to this philosophy, some people might be in a cycle for 17 years, whereas Mm. other people might be in a cycle for three years. And then after their 17 years are up, then they get into three-year cycles and four-year cycles and their life changes, changes, changes. And then maybe you experience the change really fast early in your life and you have prolonged exposure in another part of like you could have like three, four um, year cycles and then right. like you hit 36 years old and now you're in a 17 year cycle. Yeah. And yeah. I think it depends on where you're living at on the earth too. I think that actually oh, for sure. would play into it as I, well. Uh, like I, and I, I can see that. I can honestly see how that would be a thing. Like, um, cause I, I, Depression is something I've I've struggled with a lot, um, yeah. throughout my throughout my whole life, mm-hmm. and I I hid it from the military so I could get into the military, but um it it is something that I like I've I've dealt with quite a bit yeah and um I, I personally feel like Utah is not the best place for me to be I agree. Um, for me personally as well, not for you, but like when I, I remember being a teenager growing mm. up here in this fucking Valley being like, I just want to die. Yeah. I can't do this. Right. I never felt like that once when I was in Ukraine Yeah. or Afghanistan yeah, like basically in that hemisphere of the world, that eastern hemisphere, right? Never felt like it. Well, it's it, that's interesting, right? Because it's oh, the air quality is really bad here, and people downplay it, and they're like, "Yeah, it's bad," but we still go out, we do our jobs, we do our things. Not, but people don't really realize how much of an impact it can make on you psychologically. Like depression's so weird because when you're depressed, it's it it's it sucks. It's hard to. I can't, if I'm not depressed and I wouldn't consider myself like depressed now, I can't explain to you what depression feels like. Right. I can't put that into words. Um, there was an artist. I can't remember what his name is. Let me try to look him up really quick, but he did a, he's a photographer and he did a bunch of photo shoots on how he felt like depression looks like. Okay. Um, and it's honestly, uh, Of, I felt like it was a very true representation of, um, oh, these are like great depression great photographers. Depression. Like maybe what depression feels like. I'm going to go to the bathroom while you're looking up. Uh, yeah, let me, let me keep looking here. Um, I'm going to type in depression symptom photographer here we go i just saw him i just saw him um one second uh um petapixel photographer creates emotive images to help cope with depression Christian Hopkins, that's his name. So, Christian Hopkins is the name of the photographer. Uh, 
I'm gonna type in his uh, his name Hopkins photography. We'll go there. And uh, he he just does this really wonderful job. I feel like of portraying visually how depression feels physically. There you go. So this guy, uh, Christian Hopkins, he's created a bunch of photographs, basically on how he, it's his visual interpretation mm-hmm. of how depression feels. Okay. And this one, this one is the one that spoke to me the most. Yeah. Um. But. Uh, Did you get more of the depression over the anxiety or both? You know, it it's really hard because they're so closely tied together. Um, See, like for me, anxiety was just the feeling of just like the team, like you're you're being chased by a bear. All right, the time, right. or like you're about to go on a roller coaster, but it's just constant. Right, like right. The restlessness. I've never really had this type of experience. I guess it's it's not something that I've personally. Yeah, and and so like I don't know. It, it's like um, it's the chicken and versus the egg argument for mm-hmm. me. Like I. I honestly cannot say which one came first. Um, I know I'm doing better than I did before. Yeah. But uh, when I saw these photos in particular, like, it it spoke to me on such a deep level because I was like, I don't know how to visually convey how I feel. Right. This guy did it. Somehow. Yeah. Like that. That image to Uh me. Like. um, Again, his name is Christian Hopkins. But uh, that image to me right there. Is exactly how I feel like. If I'm in a major depressive episode. Yeah. That right there. I, I don't even know how to describe it, but that. That does it. You Interesting. Know? Okay. Um, if you guys pull up um, Christian Hopkins photography, it'll be the second picture on the first line. And that's exactly how it feels to me. Um, yeah, it's an interesting uh, perception to explain to people. Right? Like, I, I remember, like, almost being... I guess the only form of depression I guess I had and it was might have been because it was before I was 25 and like my prefrontal cortex is like still developing and right. like um I would get like hallucinogenic like weird like weird thoughts like strange like 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 visual or auditory not auditory but I would I remember being especially at NTO and getting so it, it wasn't like a dread of depression like i don't know what i'm going to do it was more of like an a, an accepting of not knowing what the fuck anything is at okay all. and it was like a be I, it wasn't even a fear of it it was like it's so hard to i can't even explain it 
just yeah. like this dread of being like, like, what's the point? And being spiraled into a thought process within that somewhere. So what what you're describing to me, I I can understand. Um, and I've I've felt that way before, but for me, it manifested a lot earlier in life, and I don't know what that says about me. Yeah, uh, there was one female marine on my fob. Uh, she was like a communications marine. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was on deployment, and I, I'd sit there and talk to her at great length sometimes, and she's like, "Weaver, you're an old soul. You're an old soul." And I was like, "What the fuck does that mean?" She's like, "I," and she has like her own weird beliefs and stuff going on, but she's like, "I feel like you're a presence that's been around for millennia." Yeah. Like, no, I've heard the term before. That's how I I feel I am too. I, and and I was like, what the? Okay, so the next opera, I wrote it down in my journal with a star next to it, and I like pulled it up the next opportunity I had um, internet access, and I was like, I don't know, but it, it seems like. Uh, from from this person's perspective, like she was like old souls tend to be kind of like more weary and sad mm-hmm. um versus like young youthful energy that's more optimistic, like they've seen a lot, and they know how things really are, and they know that like life is just a fucking grind mm-hmm. regardless and um, I I kind of like I mean I I remember looking back when I was in like first grade, yeah, second grade. Well, I was very 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 young and being like just like, dude, this this doesn't fucking stop. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it just keeps happening until you die. Like I remember having thoughts like that, and it's like. Ugh. A psychologist would probably diagnose me with some sort of depressive or anxiety disorder, but like I, I don't know. To me, that's also part of the reason why Buddhism started speaking to me, and that whole like will of life and death and samsara and yeah, like I, like I was like, well, maybe I have, without knowing it, been around for a long time, and I just haven't figured it the fuck out yet. You know, yeah. So, no, I I get that perception or perspective too. I didn't really change my perspective because I always thought like this is the way it was. This is the way it is. It wasn't until, and I'll bring it back to what we were talking about before a little bit. It wasn't until I started artificially messing with my hormone levels that I realized that the feelings we feel are all directly correlated with the hormones. Oh, for sure. So it wasn't until yeah, they're I, all neurotransmitters. It wasn't until I started putting a needle in my ass and putting a chemical in my body that I realized that these are all levels that are changing in my head. Right, right, and right. Then I started getting an obsession with like 
well, what foods can I eat to like balance this thing? Or what can I make this and this and this? And I've kind of like grew to accept like whatever is me, like besides my body or whatever, like I want to make sure whatever car I'm driving, if it's within my control, whatever vehicle I'm transporting my thing in, I'm going to make it as the best possible so that I'm not skewed by anything. Right. Like if I'm, you want the high performance, right? I don't like if I, and I love fast food so fucking much. But if I go, I was actually gonna suggest Cup Bop tomorrow. What the fuck, dude? I would go tonight. Uh, they're closed now. Fuck. <laughs> but um, that's not. I don't even consider that fast food. I don't <laughs> consider that fast food. What I consider fast food is if I'm on a diet, right? Okay. I, I go out here. I eat steak and eggs for a week. It stabilizes me. If I eat one thing, if I eat one cookie, I feel how it affects my my mood really yeah 100% because I've become attuned I've become artful in the meditation of balancing something in my control something that I have the will to do I paint this like flat line I've created a flat line and I introduce something and I'm like oh this cookie makes me feel like this I associate that food with that feeling and then it's easy for me not to do it anymore that's how I did it beer is hard for me because it skews your perception it, right it, it, right. Compl- it changes it completely skews it so for me it's enjoyable like in moderation it's enjoyable you get to a point where you're like oh i don't feel very good i need to lay down and then you're spinning and like you have to put the foot like on I, the floor like like i was at your house that one time yeah with yeah. richie <laughs> where and, uh, i just threw richie my keys and my gun and i was like you need to be in charge of both of these things. Yeah. But food does the same fucking thing. It's just we don't pay as much mind to it because it's really easy, especially like Wendy's for me gives me anxiety. Really? I think it's the high salt content. Um, I don't know what additives they put in their meat. Something about Wendy's, even though it tastes amazing, I love like Baconators, it gives me anxiety. It gets Baconator's my Baconators heart- a good burger. For sure. I want to go there now. Huh. Fuck, I'd go pretty much anywhere right about now. That's the problem with this too, is it it gets me down it, the, it makes the food. You, it makes you willing to do whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, I only have this much money. Hey, Caden. DTF? What? No, not right now. Okay. <laughs> you haven't had enough yet. <laughs> exactly. Um, No, like, I, I get what you're saying, though. It's and, the, the food I eat is is I mean, a conscious effort now because I know how it makes me feel. Well, it, and if you were to go to my life, uh, take a trip. Yeah, back in time, ten or eleven years, I was the same way. Um, I started eating so clean. Yeah. That. Like, fast food, even going out for dinner was, like, not an option mm-hmm. for me. And if I went out, it was, like, I I would tell them, like, if it wasn't even on the menu, I'd be, like, I just want a grilled chicken breast, plain, peas, carrots, broccoli, and some brown rice. Yeah. Like, that's it. That's all, yeah. And I'd pay extra. Because it wasn't on the fucking menu. Right. Um, 
And so I, I see where you're coming from with that. And now that I've been separated from that mm-hmm. for such a long time, and like I don't notice the changes as much, but I remember back then, because I was like 100% focused and dedicated to this one cause. Yeah. And um, my my girlfriend at the time had recently left me, and I was focusing like heavily on myself and getting myself right. I was walking around like I had a 10-inch dick, you yeah. know, like... I was the fucking man. Yeah. You know, <laughs> in my own mind. I like I I set up several dates. Uh-huh. And uh back back then, one of them was with somebody at Rocky Mountain Power. Back then her name was Odalise. Okay. Um Odalise. Yeah, she was this little Hispanic girl that worked in the kitchen back at back then. Really cute little thing. Um and I I signed us up for salsa lessons. Oh really? Yeah. No. I was like, I I didn't even give a shit, dude. Like, yeah. I was like, you're going salsa dancing with me on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, what? And I was like, you're going salsa dancing with me on Saturday. Here's my phone number. What's your phone number? And she gave it to me. Yeah. And I texted her, and it was the right number. And I was like, okay. We're going salsa dancing. Yeah. I signed us up for lessons. Nice. Like, walked out of the room, signed us up for lessons. Nice. She never showed. And I walked up to her the next week. I was like, what the fuck happened? Yeah. Why didn't you show? Uh-huh. <laughs> she didn't really have an answer for me. But, like, I mean, like, I was literally watching, walking around like I had a 10-inch stick. Dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, um... And then I ate McDonald's. Yeah. One fucking time. And I didn't even eat like a Big Mac or anything. I ate like the the grilled chicken sandwich from McDonald's. Right. Okay. Cause, yeah. Because I was like trying to be as clean as possible. And that threw me off for like a week and a half. Yeah. I swear crazy. to God it did. It's I crazy. I swear to God it did. And I was like, this is fucking weird, man. And... And, but, like, before that, I was like, I can pull any bitch I want off the face of this earth, dude. Yeah. I'll see, have them in my bed tonight. Dude, like, see, I wish, <laughs> sometimes I wish I could have that mentality. Like, I respect you for that. Because that's not, that's not, that's never how I got. And it didn't work for me. Like, obviously, like, she she stood me up. Well, even but. having the confidence to be able to do that is, like, admirable. Admirable. Because the way I always did it, and luckily, like, dude, there have been there have been chicks I've went on dates with that I'm like, this person is so like in my head, I'm like, this person is so out of my league. Like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. And the whole reason I think that those people gravitated towards me is because when I diet, when I get clean, when I do all of this shit, I'm so focused on the mission. Like, it's like my my head clears. It's like. I know exactly what I want to do with my life in this moment. Right. And I focus 110% on it and I don't focus on the other shit. Right. And for whatever reason that attracts people to me. Exactly. And, and I don't think about them. I'm not like. Yeah. Yeah. And so like for, for me, you're 100% right, dude. Like my mentality is such a, 
huge component when it comes to this. Yeah. Okay. Like, because when I met Liz, I was in the same mentality. Uh-huh. I was like, I was walking around like I had a fucking like ten foot cock. Yeah. Dude, like, and I I wasn't like saying I'm not trying to say like I was like cocky like. You can. There's nothing nothing wrong with that. But I I was just confident about who I was as a person, where I was going, what I wanted in life at that moment. Yeah. I was 100% driven and confident about what I was doing. Right. Nothing else mattered. Yeah. And now I've been married to her for eight years with her for 10. Is it still strange to think about? Like, if you ever, like, just stop and think about it, is it like, this is so weird. Like, it's ended, it, it started at this, and then I could never have seen myself in this position now. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes it is. Because, like... I mean, I I don't know. We've had a couple of arguments since you've moved in. I don't know if you've ever heard us arguing. Mm. It's because we don't yell at each other. We we have dialogue like this. Yeah. And we'll hurt each other and mm-hmm. get pissed off and stuff. But um, back then, I had no idea. Dude, zero idea. Like the... Like... Like I said, I was driven. There was this one girl named Odalise, and I was like, I'm going to date her. Yeah. And I tried, and it didn't work out, and I was like, fuck it. I went on with my life. Yeah. And, uh, like, I I worked Monday through Friday at that time at the power plant, and um, I'd go there every day for lunch. She was the cashier. I saw her every fucking day. I'd go there for lunch every day, get a grilled chicken breast, rice, and a bunch of vegetables. Mm-hmm. They didn't even have to ask me what my order was. Yeah. Like, that is what I got every day. Right. And, um, you know, that, that didn't work out, and I was like, fuck it, dude. I guess I'm going to be dating a black chick when I move to <laughs> Chicago. Like... That was my honest mindset, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, she didn't work out. I guess I'll just try to score some local chick from um, Chicago and see how how that relationship goes. Mm-hmm. And my my contingency plan on that was like, well, when I get to my first command, I'll just figure it out from there. You know, like I didn't give a shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I wasn't. I wasn't after it. I wanted the company, but I wasn't like after anything. That's specific. right, because you're you're definitely more like extroverted in that sense. Yeah, like I wanted the company, but I wasn't like after a relationship. It was more of like a, I want somebody that I can go to a movie with on Friday night or whatever, and yeah. hang out. You know, like yeah, like uh, I think one of Liz and I's first dates. Um, God, I can't even remember what we did. We, I think we went out to dinner and then we just watched Spinal Tap at her house. Yeah. Like, um, dogs knocking at the door, it sounds like. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, and, and that, that's where I was. And it's like, I just want somebody to hang out with. And I was like. 
I was kind of playing the field at the time. There was this uh, girl named Kimberly, um, Kim, uh, that I was kind of pseudo seeing at the time, and yeah, I was like, "Well, this isn't really that serious, and I don't see her staying with me, so I'm gonna explore other options." And I don't know, dude. Like it was like just the aspect of eating clean drinking clean i don't think i drank anything other than water and mm-hmm. milk back then yeah uh and uh just like really focusing on getting my own shit together yeah uh it's weird it drives the desire up in other people yeah it really does like people look at you and they're like that's a driven person yeah I need to surround myself with that person, male or female. They're like, that guy knows what he wants. I need to learn from them. Yeah. Sort of a thing. It's true. And it's so weird from the perception of being you because you don't view it that way at all. No, like you're just like, you're in your moment. You're, you're charging towards whatever you think it is. You need to fucking accomplish and that's the end of it you know yeah. like like fuck everyone else this is the thing i'm going after yeah and it pulls so many people in right i guess for for me it was like i looked up i had all these like mentors through books or videos or whatever that i'd watch that my whole goal was to propagate the message of like if you set your mind to it you can like it it sounds so corny but like if you set your mind to it you can like get a secret you can get it yeah like and that's where the body was for me is like because that was something visually i could show if i could get myself in shape and be like this is where i was this is where i am now and then i and then we started doing all these pod like the podcast and i did my podcast and it gravitated people towards me from high school that were like, holy shit, I didn't, uh, like, I didn't, they didn't see me that way before or whatever. Right. And now that I've developed myself into this person of like, and I don't think about it that way anymore. Now I'm just trying to keep myself occupied and like do different things. Right, right. And the whole goal was to just, I guess, inspire people to just do more, or like think they can do more. And that gravitated more people towards me. And it's like you're almost not ready for that change. Like, I wasn't ready for the change. Like, for people reaching out to me, like, oh, shit, this person was like a popular kid in high school, man. He's reaching out to me and talking to me. Uh, Or it's like no one's ready for the repercussions of what you're working towards, I guess. Like, once you get what you want, you're like, do I really, like, whoa. So so here's here's my question to you. Who were the popular kids in your high school? The football players or Yeah, it was a guy that made it to the NFL. It was yeah, uh, yeah, I remember you telling me about him. I had a lot of like crushes in high school too. And would you have considered them popular back then? Yes, but I was so nervous and insecure that I would I felt like now looking back, they a lot of the times they flirted with me. Back then I felt like they were mocking me. Yeah, I just had that underlying feeling like yeah. 
I didn't feel highly of myself, so I just assumed they were mocking me. But in reality, now looking back, like, oh, shit, they were flirting. Yeah, and I, I see the same thing in myself, to be honest. Um, oh, if I could go back to, to high school. God damn. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> Being almost 30 years old. Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> like, yeah, if I walked into a high school nowadays, I'd be like, it smells funny. You know? <laughs> Well, like, if I could go back, dude, if I could go back just for the dating life of high school, I would, that's the only regret I have is not going out and messing not around going, with, messing around with more girls. Not, not going after it. But when I was in high school age, cause now I feel like I'm at the age now where I want to be like more settled and like work with somebody to achieve something. That's at the, that's the perception I'm at now. Yeah. I so. don't want to like fool around and. I'm not about that right now. So, um, there's a close friend of mine. Her name's Robin. Mm -hmm. Um, she was like super, like, I, I I don't even know if you'd call it popular, but, um, she was like well known and, and stuff in high school. And she, she changed high schools the last like year and a half. Mm -hmm. We were in school because of. I don't. I don't even know why she had her reasons, um, and she was like a close friend of mine. And it, it, it's really weird. It's like one of those weird, stupid uh, coming of age stories where it's like I know you outside of this building. Inside of this building, I don't know you at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's and, a weird thing, right? When you know someone outside and then inside, they're really popular, but you don't talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. The weird thing. Yeah, and and I just went and had lunch with her and her husband about a week, week and a half ago. Maybe two weeks ago. Okay. No. Um and sorry, Uzi's trying to eat my socks. I started getting hot, so I took off my snowshoes. He's good at that. My underwear all have holes in them. Yeah, he seems to be pretty good at that. But uh <coughs> You know, like I would hang out with her in the summer and and stuff. But like when school was in session, it was like you don't know me. Yeah. And um, I think part of that's because my brother was an asshole to her, like legitimately. She she told me um, years later. Uh, yeah, I used to go home and cry because Denver was such a fucking prick to me. Jesus. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ. You you were concerned about what he thought? <laughs> like, yeah. Just fucking flick him in the nose and move on with your life, you know? Like, but Yeah, it's weird how we put off these perceptions. Right. And then people, like, assume certain things. Because, I mean, like, yeah, it's things like that. Like, I remember this kid. I think I've told this story before. Of, like, there's this kid named Mario who just marched down the halls with his pissed off face. And he became friends with me. I was like, he's well, like, yeah, I just do that so people won't talk to me. I was like, oh, okay. That makes sense. Like, yeah. you would like, like the mad dog. Like. <laughs> yeah, and, and there was another girl that I <coughs> I knew in high school. Her name was uh, Tiffany Hester. And she was like dating one of my close friends. And she was kind of like a, a, a friend of mine at the time, too. But she like asked me like, Hey, uh, she like just flat out asked me like, do you think it's sexy to come on a girl's face? 
<laughs> and I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I hadn't really been exposed to porn at that point. But yeah. she was like, well, you know, so-and-so, the person she was dating at the time, was like, wants to do that. And it's like, I'm not comfortable with that, but he thinks it's sexy. And I was like, well, I don't really see how that's possible because after, like, you've nutted, then... yeah. The emotion's gone, you know. See, like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, I, I don't really, I, I don't really get it. And so, like, I had these like <laughs> friends that were like super open with me. I had some friends that were like, like, I know you from from May to August, <laughs> like. <Yeah. laughs> and then I had like those friends that like for whatever reason they wore. Trench coat dusters, and I'm like, I'm just happy I know that guy. So when he starts <laughs> yeah. going Columbine, then you know he's not gonna take me out. Yeah. So I, I mean, like, I, I don't know. High school's fucking. High school. I was so embarrassed, dude. I remember like one of the most popular girls. Her name was Kayla Adams, and her dad was like a dentist, I think. And somebody like we were in like the church seminary thing, and someone tapped her on the shoulder, and I didn't say, like I. This person's like, hey, Caden has a big crush on you. And I, I like, didn't say anything about it. I was like, and I went, like, beat red. And she's like, it's okay. It's okay. And I was, like, so red about it. But now, like, if somebody came up to me and was like, what would you think of somebody, like, coming on somebody's face? And, like, now I harness that, like, embarrassment into wit and humor. Yes, yes. So I'd just be like, depends. Do I have permission or not? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> like, yeah. Because yeah. if I can make someone laugh, then I know I have like the edge of the conversation. Like right. that's that's my defense mechanism. Right. I try to make people laugh. And and like I said, when I uh, a few minutes ago or half hour ago, I don't even know when the fuck it was, but um, the comms marine. Yeah. The on my deployment, she was like, "You have a very dry sense of." humor i was like what does that mean and she's like it's like a british sense of humor i was like <laughs> still doesn't mean anything to me you know <laughs> but uh i guess it's it's that kind of humor that like people laugh because they're put off guard yeah and they're like uncomfortable in the situation yeah and uh she's like that that's also another reason why you're an old soul like you know, a, a young person, a, a young soul, like a youthful soul, wouldn't know how how to do that. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just me. Yeah. You know? And at the time, like, I still was like having this really conflicting argument internally about like, is Christianity really the thing to do? And like, blah blah blah. Like, and I was like, this soul thing that she's talking about is fucking bullshit. Right. Um. But. I can see it now, like, because cause you go talk to any 80, 70, 80, 90 year old person out yeah. there, and they have like this just weird dry wit about right. them, and uh, they don't give a fuck about what, like, who you are, what you think, what you're saying, like, they're going to say what they want, and sometimes it comes off humorously, and sometimes it doesn't. And it's because they've lived through their whole life up until now, and they realize it doesn't matter. 
Yeah. I think too, like I've always hung out with people older than me because my idea is like, I want to gain as much perspective as I can. Right. And if there's one thing anybody likes doing, it's talking about themselves. True. So for me, it's like, if you take the initiative and like, if I hang out with 10 millionaires, you're going to be the 11th one. Like, it's just like a matter of like, cause everyone wants to pass on their knowledge. Everyone like wants that to happen. No one takes the initiative to want to learn. So for me, it's like, if I can surround myself with people that know more than me, I'm going to, I'm going to eventually learn what that person knows to some extent. I'm going to gain as much perspective as I can with my experience to like better myself. And that's like how I've always viewed it. I don't want to be like surrounded by people that think like I'm the shit or whatever. Cause then I don't learn anything. Right. And like for me, older people possess that like, and it's not that like they have, they have the knowledge. Maybe they didn't know what to do with the knowledge, but if, if, if I can learn something from them, maybe I could do something different with the knowledge or like pass it to somebody else who could do something different with that knowledge. So for me, it's like soaking it up as much as possible. That's why I started the podcast in the first place is like soaking up info. Right. I mean, for me at first, I, I was talking to my friend Chevy about it because we were both like super introverted, didn't talk to anybody, really quiet, didn't initiate conversations. And then when I started doing the podcast and having to have an hour conversation with myself, I didn't have a problem holding conversation after that. Like yeah. I got 15, 20 episodes in and I'm like, holy shit, like I can talk. Like I can just, I can, if, even if the person's boring as shit. Or if like, because I've, I've had a conversation just by myself for an hour. Right. So if I can sit there and do that, then I can have a conversation with anything. And if I can do that, then I can try to extract some knowledge from people or try to learn from them or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's always a good um, <clears throat> perspective to have as well. Uh, <clears throat> the the only reason I I think I really got to know you is because yeah. I got to know Schultz first. Yeah, yeah, Liesel. Yeah, she was like, "Oh, you're you're gonna be working with Caden. You need to ask him about this, this, and this, and like get his conspiracy mind going." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay," and like as you know now, I'm fucking game for anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, uh. I don't know if you were there or not, but when Steve walked in and was like, get your fucking feet no, off my desk. I wasn't there. But uh, <laughs> I just kind of looked at him like, what the fuck are you talking about? I love that's how it was explained to people, like warmed into people. What? You? G- yeah, the conspiracy thing. Yeah. I love that. Uh, yeah. Like, she was like, you need to get him started on some sort of conspiracy, anything. Like... Did we go to the moon or didn't we like anything? And he'll just open up to you and talk to you like nonstop about it. Yeah. And uh, so I started pushing your buttons with that when I first met you. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I remember the first words I said to you. What? You walked into the room with a bag of stuff, bag of lunch or something. You set it down and I said, so I heard you were in the Navy and you were with the Marines, huh? And you're like, yeah. And I was like, I'm sorry. And you're like, why? <laughs> and it's just like, you know, they have the reputation. Like, I just started mm-hmm. talking myself down the hole. And, uh, yeah, no, I remember that. Uh, see, I don't even remember that. Like, 
Sounds like something I would say, but I don't remember it. Yeah. I remember when I first met Matt. I have a pretty damn good memory as far as that kind of shit. But like Do you ben, remember? I remember that. God, Ben. Fuck. Oh. I remember like, working with him thinking, like, I can't work with this guy. Like, the first couple of days, I'm like, I don't know how this is going to work. So, my experience with Ben Roosh. Um, first of all, fuck you and Alex for not coming out to shoot with me that day. <laughs> I don't think I was invited that time. Uh, I, I don't know. You might have been. I, I can't remember. But I invited several people, and Ben was the only guy that showed up. And he showed up with a fucking forty-five long Colt revolver on his hip. That's great. And I was like, we're at a, we're at a gun club. Why? Yeah. <laughs> and he... And they told him he couldn't carry it on him. <laughs> He's like, they're like, sir, you're on the rifle range. You can't have a pistol with you. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll go put it back in my car. <laughs> like, um, but I, I don't even really remember my first time meeting Ben. The only thing I remember about him was he just used to review those fucking Battlefield 1 videos. Yeah. Incessantly. Yeah. And I'm a combat vet. Like, I'm sitting over on the other side of the room listening to fucking gunshots for 12 hours. Like, yeah. I'm going to fucking kill somebody. Like, I'm going to, like, I'm I'm losing it, dude. Like, like there's, like, artillery rounds going off, and he's like, oh, this reloading sequence is wrong. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. Stop playing the fucking gun sounds. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> dude, Steve... <laughs> The the third or fourth time I met Steve, and I know the reason he doesn't he didn't like me, it's because he constantly insulted me, and it just went right over my head. Like I didn't give a shit about his insults. Really? Like I brought in the ab wheel thing, like the thing the yeah, Navy yeah. SEAL develops, and he tried doing them, and he's like, I can't do this. He's like, Caden, can you do this? I was like, Of course I can. And, and back then I was like lifting heavy and like all about lifting, and I was like had tight jeans on i had like really skinny jeans on and i was facing away from him and i like went out and i could feel the jeans like right up in my ass and the first thing i hear him say is like wow those are really tight jeans like he just like he's like wow those are really tight jeans and i just like blatantly ignore him and he would like he would constantly try to like pick at you get something from me and i was just sitting there rolling out my ab getting my fucking pump on like sitting there, yeah, yeah, and uh, there was nothing like I don't, I don't, I think that's why he didn't like me is because his insults or his like fear tactics didn't work, and probably the same for you. I don't yeah. know, I don't know if he liked you or didn't like you, but I, I think he had a uh, a respect for me because I was military, mm-hmm. prior military, but the thing is, is he's uh, he's a reservist, and. I didn't care. Right. Like, he introduced himself. He's like, hey, I'm Steve Silva, like, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'm also, like, I heard you were in the military. I'm a reservist with this and this. And I was like, I don't give a shit. Like, See, he, he was active up to E7, and then he transferred into the National. I still don't give a fuck. Yeah. I really don't. Right. Um, it, it, yeah, it, if you wear it as a badge of honor, it's not really, like, something to be. It's just kind of, like, cool. Um, 
you know, I'm proud of my brother for reaching E7. It's it's an accomplishment. Yeah. It really is. But, like, I, I think I had you proofread one of my papers this last semester, and I mentioned it was my persuasion letter where I'm, like, bringing up my qualifications to talk on the material I'm talking about. Yep. And I bring up, like, how I'm a combat medic, six years experience as a combat medic, and somebody in my class, like, because we had to have all our shit proof read by our classmates, was like, thank you for your service. And I was like, I don't need any thanks. I was just trying to do that to establish my expertise in the field. Yeah. You know? And, um... Like, to me, that that's about all that my... It, and it may sound bad. I, I mean, like, I do have, like, kind of a moto tat on my arm. Uh, but it, it's mostly for my friends that got killed. But, like, for, for me, my, my military experience um, and being uh, an FMF corpsman for the length of time that I did it is... More at this point about establishing um, specialty specialty in the field. Mm. Like, like, okay, I've worked in a hospital for two years. I worked in the Navy as this for six. I was an EMT before that. Like, I know what the fuck I'm talking about. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, and and that that that's what it comes down to me now. Like, and it, it's so weird because I like I I don't bring it up to be like oh pat myself on the back. Right. But when like someone questions some something from me, right. like when they question where like why I have the stance I have, and I bring that up, they're like, "Thank you for your service." It's like I don't want thanks. I don't fucking need it. Yeah. I don't need a thank you. I want you to leave me the fuck alone and just respect the fact that I have a fucking opinion. Yeah, I remember we had that conversation about you talking like about how you hated people saying that. Yeah. Like when we first met. Yeah, it's like I, yeah, because I, I do think I've talked to you about that a few times and it's like, why are why are you thanking me? Yeah. Like I don't need any thank you. Right. I I I I need nothing from you. I just want you to listen to me. Yeah. When I'm when it's something that I know a little bit about. Right. You know, like I I want you to take in my perspective. I don't need you to glorify me in any way. Fuck, I don't even glorify myself. I'm like drinking myself half to death. You know, like I think you'd have to drink a lot more than that. I've seen some people fucking put it down, dude. I think you're okay. Um, you know, every six or seven months, I struggle with the idea of killing myself. You know, like it, it's just like don't thank me for anything. I haven't done anything special. You know, I don't have anything special on my record. Well. This is why people thank you is because you put yourself in a position 
that they are not willing to do, and that's the only way they know how to like. I don't want it. Yeah, I don't. You want to thank me? Get weed legalized. Yeah. Sign the initiative to do that. Well, you, I think you, you want to just... thank me. Get me shit hammered drunk when I'm sitting at the bar. <laughs> well, I think a good response is like a lot, and a lot of veterans do this too. Is like whoever says that they they turn around and say thank you for your service. Because I mean, service isn't just like service to your country is like whatever the fuck you're doing. Like everyone's providing a service in some. I just tell them don't thank me. Yeah, I do. Like I'm like I don't. No, don't thank me. Yeah, just don't. I don't want it. I don't need it. Yeah. I really don't. Like, I'm going to continue to live my life the same way regardless of how you think of me. Yeah. And, like, the, the this starts to get into, like, a little bit of an emotional plane for me because, like, the people you need to be thanking are the families... Of my friend Ben and my friend Clay. Because mm-hmm. they're not here anymore. Yeah. Those are people that are never going to have grandkids. You know, nieces, nephews. Like, the, like those are the people you need to thank. I didn't do anything special. So, I, I get a little kind of emotional about it because and I I don't know if you'd call it survivor's guilt or whatever but I wasn't even there when they died but I knew both of those guys very well Clayton I knew knew from boot camp yeah boot camp core school FMTV right I knew him all the way through yeah and uh and then his his unit got deployed, and we got deployed. My unit got deployed in two weeks. Within two weeks, he was gone. IED took him out. So, well, all I can say is this, is that even though they're not here physically, their legacy lives on through your voice. Right. Because you're putting this into the microphone and they're still here in that sense. Right. And I think that's pretty damn powerful. So. Yeah. And I I love those guys, man. They were. I, I mean, I have a, a couple brothers of my own, but these guys were like, it, it sounds so fucking stupid and like. Hallmark channel-y, but they were my fucking brothers, you know? Especially Clay. Like, Ben? I knew Ben very well. He was a hilarious guy. Mm -hmm. But Clay, like, I went through boot camp, core school, and FMTV with this kid. Um, I, I spent a year and a half of my life with him. Sleeping 10 feet away from him. Yeah. You know? Seeing him 24 hours a fucking day. Um, so, like, he, he was my brother. And, uh, and 
I, I don't really know where I'm going with this, but if you're going to thank anybody, thank, thank the people that are left behind after the fallen. Like, yeah. my ass, I'm still walking around. I'm still living my life. I'm doing what I want to do. Um, but Clayton's parents, they lost a son who was 22 years old. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, that's 60 more years of living to do, and he's gone. Right. At least another 40 of his parents of watching him grow up, have kids, a wife, blah, blah, blah. Right. They don't get that. Thank them for their service and their sacrifice. I didn't do shit. Like, I understand what you're saying. Like, yeah. oh, like, you did something most people aren't willing to do. That That's fucking great. Yeah. Firefighters do something that most people aren't willing to do. Sure. And that's why I say, like, <laughs> that's why I say everyone plays a part. I, I try to thank, like, like, anyone. Like, I'll say thank you to people that serve food to me. Someone has to do it. Yeah. Like they're serving their country in, in that way. I guess. Yeah. Um, people that are like, I mean, I have, I have respect for military law enforcement. I have respect for anybody. I really have respect as well for the people that go to their job that they fucking hate to get money to provide for their family. Oh, Absolutely. Um, knowing, Absolutely. knowing like, that they fucking hate going to what they do. They go in their little cubicle. They type away fucking reports and right. just yeah. to provide. And, and they suffer every day Yeah, to, to bring home food, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, it, I mean, it's not the same thing, but if you look at it, like, from the perspective of cavemen, Hunting and gathering was not a luxurious existence. No, not like, at all. But it had its part. But to the overall tribe, I yeah, I mean, people had to go out and they had to get food. You know, and it's the kind of the same thing. It's like, do I want to go hunting today? No. Do I want to eat tomorrow? Yes. Yes. So, um. I mean, it, it's kind of the same thing, but in a 21st century sort of deal. Yeah. And, yeah, you. I mean, that that's the one thing I will give to my mom. As, as much as I disagree with her and her life decisions and how she is as a person, it seems like she's kind of starting to grow a little bit. But um, she kept me and my brother from my dad for a long time didn't let us have really any contact with him but she did provide for us and uh probably mostly through doing jobs that she did not enjoy doing yeah yeah organizing medical records and shit like that you know right like who wants to go sit there and Organize a bunch of like legal forms, right? For twelve hours on a Saturday, absolutely nobody, nobody. absolutely. Dude, it's funny because like, remember at the tattoo shop where you were like, how he was like, I'm gonna go see Post Malone. You're like, oh, it's only just Post Malone or whatever. Yeah. Um, I actually found a newfound respect for him because he sat down with somebody and he said like, the shit I do is easy, man. He's like, what I do is nothing. He's like, the people that deserve the respect 
are the people that go to their jobs every day that fucking hate their life just to provide. He's like, those are the people that you should be thanking. Right. He's like, I'm just making music, man. I'm just making stuff people can relate to. It's like, right. you want to see the, the real heroes, the real people you should look up to? It's the people that dedicate themselves to something they don't believe in for somebody else. And I yeah. was like, shit, man. That's pretty insightful for somebody younger than me. For a guy with a bunch of face tattoos and he smells like a like, garbage can. He doesn't even party anymore or anything. Like he, he doesn't want to do any of that shit. It's like he got caught up in the fame and all of that bullshit. No, and, and, uh, and I can respect that statement. Because yeah. that's something I 100% agree with. Yeah. Like, you know, rewind 150, 200 years. Coal mines in, in Virginia. You know, that's that's hard work. Yeah. I cannot name a single person in my life that I've ever met that's like, I want to be a coal miner. Right. Like, I, I, I just can't do it. Right. I've, if, if you really think back on your life, you're like, how many people have I truly met throughout my life? Thousands. Yeah. Thousands. Yep. How many of them would say, I want to be a coal miner when I grow up? Or an oil rigger. Exactly. But or, yeah. the, these people, they're like, this job needs to be done. And I have kids I have to feed. Yeah. You know, to me, that that's, in a sense, like doing that for 20 years is more incredible than anything I did. You know, like I was willing to go get shot at. That's, I mean, like, it sounds horrifying and it is scary to get shot at. But it's like, when you compare that to dedicating yourself for 20 years to a job you hate... Sure. Well, and I think a lot of people, when <laughs> the, the average public, when they thank you, like, what do they think of military? The movies they've seen? The yeah, video probably, games they've played? Probably, yeah. Like, they don't see the other side of it. It's perspective. It's all that's, perspective. That's why I want to create a, like, um, apparently there's a new, um, like, television or broadcast bureau out there that has like a realistic look at military life uh-huh. like all the stupid bullshit yeah um but i i haven't seen it yet i would like to watch it and if that's not in line with what i think i would love one day to have enough money to be like to create a completely accurate picture of yeah. the military like yeah. oh Summer's two weeks away. We have to do our dress white inspection. Yeah. Why? Right. I'm not going to wear this uniform at all this summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we just we just got to do it, you know? Yeah. Hey, there's a pile of bird shit on the sidewalk outside. Go fucking scrub it up, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, why are you thanking me for being a fucking janitor? The closest <laughs> thing, I guess, like... <laughs> Back in the day, I thought it was so dumb, and I'm not relating this to like what you went through, or, like the military, or whatever. But the closest thing I think I've experienced to that was actually in the Boy Scouts, of all things, because when I went to these stupid like leadership camps that I didn't want to go to, I was with a bunch of other dudes who they made us like 
go out in the woods and you're going to sleep two days by yourself in this thing. And then you're going to set up in a, in a tent and sleep with six other dudes in this one tent, like this tiny fucking little camper sized tent. You're going to sleep in there and we're all fucking miserable. And the things that I don't even really remember that shit. The stuff I remember was like, I had an award ceremony where they presented some special award for me. And then some, some Indian guy took me out in a canoe and paddled me across the fucking lake. And we stood in this little cabin and everyone came in and shook the, the Indian guy's hand and then my hand and they went out the door and probably 80 people fucking hit their head on the way out, dude. And that's the only shit I remember. Yeah. Like out of all the bullshit, yep, yep. out of all the bullshit that I experienced, like all the like things I didn't want to do, like we, and we had the uniform inspections at Cedar Badge and all that bullshit. The things I remember are just fucking laughing with the other dudes that were suffering with me. And that's what appealed to me in the military. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> one of the best uh, summaries of the military that I can possibly think of was I. Uh, I can't even remember where I was at, but we were doing like th- there was a slideshow um, going on, like PowerPoint. Fuck, we're getting deep, dude. Um. Anyway, oh, yeah. it's getting late. Uh, we were, we were sitting there and, um, this guy's like, misery brings friendship. And we're like, what the fuck? And he's like, misery brings friendship. And he pulled up a slide of just two Marines sitting in a foxhole and it's raining outside and it's just muddy as fuck outside. Yeah. Like, and, and he's like. These guys are having the worst day of their fucking life right now, but they're the best friends in the world, you know? And, um, I was like, that's the only thing I can relate to, you know, like, oh, 200 of us have to stand out here in our dress blues in a hundred degree weather. Yeah. Just so some general can walk by and be like, congrats on making it home safe. Like the fuck? Are you serious? I don't give a shit about this guy. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to go home and sit in my air conditioned house and fucking watch Firefly and drink some beer. Like, like that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I have to be out here practicing on how to march with a rifle because I haven't done that in two years because it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know, dude. Like, it's. It, just like I want to be able to convey the, like just the fucking amount of stupidity that there is. Well, that seems like the next level of like what the the Boy Scouts was to me, I guess. Because out of all the like honorary shit and all of that stuff, I remember getting a piece of post and it had five bucks in it. And I'm like, I can go to the fucking shop and buy jerky, dude. I can buy beef jerky. And, like, that's all I fucking cared about. Or, like, just the free time of just being able to talk shit about the whole thing. Yeah, and it's funny that you bring up the the jerky thing because um, something that happened to me while I was active duty is we were out on on a field op. Yeah. So, basically, they drive you out into the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah. And you set up a camp, and you have to, like, pull guard duty and do patrols and 
and uh, practice doing your job for me, which was uh, casualty evacuation and um, treatment, right? Yeah. So, like, I'm pulling guard duty in the middle of the night, and then I'm also having to practice carrying my fucking friends across the field to a fucking Humvee and treating their quote-unquote amputated leg. And, like, we're out there for a few days, and it was the weirdest thing. We called them roach coaches back in the day. Okay. Um, It's like a food truck. Just magically appeared at the top of the fucking hill. Mm-hmm. And we're like, what the fuck? And there was just this food truck out there. Yeah. We're like, what the fuck? And so a bunch of us went and bought, like, fucking, like, breakfast burritos and monsters and all sorts of just crazy shit. My lieutenant comes out of his tent fucking yelling at us, get away from the fucking roach coach, you know, like, yelling at us. And we're like, what the fuck, dude? It's it's here. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, and... And we're like all trying to like scarf down our food, and and everything. And he's like, I don't know who the fuck did this, but apparently, one of the E sixes, um, in my unit, called the company that did the K the the Roach coaches on base, yeah, and told him what area we were in. What a hero! <laughs> <laughs> and. <laughs> This roach coach just showed up, and they were like, oh, we know we're going to get fucking money off of these guys. They're, they've been out here for three fucking weeks. <laughs> and we all do, like... <laughs> you're in this you're in this Like, seven, 75 dudes just running up to this fucking truck in the middle of nowhere. Just take my credit card. I don't give a fuck how much it costs. Like, I want a goddamn burrito. <laughs> Your perspective is like, you're like, don't thank me for my service. Thank that E6 because he's fucking. He's the real MVP. <laughs> Dude. I, to this day, I have no idea who alerted that company that we were out there. Oh, I mean, dude. We, were, we were out in the fucking sticks, dude. Like, like you needed four-wheel drive to get to this motherfucker. And there's <laughs> this fucking food truck shows up. We're like, I want a California burrito. <laughs> Six o'clock oh in the morning. God. Sun's just barely coming up. We're like, gimme, 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 gimme. <laughs> Dude, I'm gonna have to get Chevy on because uh we had some we went through some shit. And and Lieutenant Apusin comes walking out of his tent about a half hour later, we're all sitting there eating burritos, the truck's still up there. People are running back and forth like Buying as many fucking monsters and shit as they can, just stuff in their rucksacks, and and we're like all sitting there. He's like, "Who the fuck did this? Who the fuck did this?" And we're like, and he's like, he ordered us to throw all of our food away and shit, and like, like so we're sitting there like walking to the like where we were collecting our trash, like like taking like bites large enough to fucking choke on. Yeah. Like, while we're, like, trying to, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go throw away this burrito. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. That was, like, that's probably one of my best memories. That's awesome. Easily. One of my best memories. That's fucking awesome. And Lieutenant Apusin later on came out and was, like, I really didn't give a shit about that. But 
I had a keep up appearance. <laughs> He's like, I thought it was fucking genius that somebody like pulled out their fucking cell phone, walked far enough to get service, and called them in. He's like, I thought that was fucking great. Because <laughs> it was like, it, it would have had to happen like in the middle of the night, pretty much. Yeah. Like they called and left a message on this company's yeah. answering machine. Oh my god, dude. That's, that's great. That's the kind of shit that I miss. You know, like you go back and you watch uh like the Pacific, for instance. Yep. And uh there's like these Marines, they've been out at Guadalcanal or whatever for weeks and weeks and they're just miserable and they hate life. Yep. They're eating maggoty rice and and then the army shows up with all these crates of like brand new materials and food and guns and yeah, uh, the Japanese start bombing the the airstrip and all the army runs for cover and the Marines are like fuck it, it's time <laughs> now's our time and they go and raid all the supplies, dude. Like that's the kind of shit that I miss because that was totally one hundred percent. The guys I was with. That's fucking great, dude. Like, Connex boxes would be left open, and they'd be like, let's see what's in here. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, shit. I think I've got a bag in my garage from one of those. Like, like uh, from, from uh, one of the corporals I knew at the time going, dude, I just found this box open over here. Let's go fucking look through it. <laughs> <laughs> man so <laughs> i i don't know man like that's the that's the shit i miss but there's a lot i don't yeah there's a lot i don't do we need to get uh need to get shelby on absolutely you have her number now right uh instagram instagram yeah um she's very knowledgeable and freaking uh She's big into like mental illness and stuff. She wants to talk about that. And then I got to get my boy Chevy on. Like, dude, one time we went to uh, that same scout camp or whatever. We skipped out on some like, well, it was right after the 80 foot wall of repel. Like, we had to do the repelling. And uh, we got done with that. And we were walking by some stranger's camp and we saw a bicycle for two. We're like, holy shit, a Tandem bike? Yeah, we're like, holy shit, a bike for two. Like, let's just take it for a little while. So we get on the thing, and we're fucking going in the desert. Like, there's just nothing out there. It's just sagebrush and, like, the little tumbleweeds. Right. We break. We fucking broke it. <laughs> we went over a bump and broke it. The chain came off and got all tangled in it, and we had to carry it back, like, a, a mile and a half, and we just left at the camp that we found it at. <laughs> like, let's get the God, fuck I, out of here. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, if if you don't have any stories like that, <laughs> you 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 didn't grow up right, man. Yeah, we pulled a fucking wagon in the middle middle of the desert for the Mormon treks. They like recreated the pioneers, like taking right, these right. big ass things. Me and Chevy at the front were singing, "I want to know what love is." <laughs> at the front, I want to know. What I love think. That, is. I, I think. I told that story before. We were having mirages, like we were fucked up. I, I I think this is the reason why I wanted to show you Generation Kill. Mm. Because we watched like three episodes of that. Yeah. There there's just like a guy. 
Um, he's like one of the drivers for the Humvees in, in Generation Kill, which is about the invasion of Iraq in, I think, 2004. Yeah. And he's just sitting there singing like fucking Britney Spears songs at the top of his fucking lungs while they're driving through the Iraqi desert. And like everyone in the van is like joining in with him and they've got this embedded reporter who like has no idea what the fuck is going on and it's just like Okay, well I guess this <laughs> this is happening. <laughs> like so <laughs> Yeah, I I mean like honestly whatever child I have, male, female, transgender I hope they have a story like that. Furry? What, whatever, dude. Like, I just hope they have some sort of experience like that um, yeah, growing me too. up. Like, by the time they're 30, I want, I, I, I want them to have some sort of just, like, ridiculous fucking, oh, we've been in the middle of the desert for three weeks. Yeah. You know, like. I made some hooch out of a cactus in my own piss, you know, like what? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like I, I've got, a, I've got plenty of stories where it's just fucking around really. Like the guy I sold the gun to today. Yeah. Him and I almost blew up a sewer pipe. Really? Yeah. That's great. When we were younger, we um we figured out how to make these uh um whistling peat, I think is what they're called, but we figured out how to make these like little explosive things. He might need to use the bathroom. It's been a while. I think he needs some FOOD. Oh, cuz he hasn't uh okay. Had that in a while. But um like we we found out how to make these like <clears throat> basically high end fireworks by using like the cheap shit that you could buy from the grocery store and uh started dropping them down the sewer vent <laughs> at my old house and they heard it a block and a half away <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just stupid shit like that. Like, I really want my kid to have something like that. You know, yeah. like just some stupid fucking thing that they did. You know, like, I'll probably discipline them or whatever. But, like, it. I mean, have you really grown up well if you don't have something like that to talk I don't think about? So. Like, if. It, if you're like, you, if you get to the point where you're 31, 32, and you don't have a story about pulling a fucking handcart in the middle of the goddamn desert singing I Know What Love Is. Yeah. Or similar. It's it's just, I, I don't know, man. Like the struggle, The struggling parts of my life where I thought, like, this fucking sucks, I only remember the good parts of it now. Exactly. And that's how I am with the military. And it's like, that's why I belong to all of these pages on Facebook. Yeah. Where people bitch <laughs> about what's currently happening in the Marine Corps. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, that's why I left. Yeah. You know, because like, I, I look back now and like, 
my deployment in, Af- in Afghanistan, I'm like, okay, yeah, there was some, there were some shitty parts, but what I mostly remember is sitting there smoking with my friends, um, and hitting rocks off the top of a tank with a fucking golf club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and you're like, oh, that wasn't that bad. And then you like look at some, you you have to bring yourself back down to the reality of it. Like that was only one year out of six years. Yeah. You know, like bring yourself back in, look at the stupid shit that second division is doing right now. Right. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I, I just really hope that my future children, whoever they are, um, get that opportunity. Oh, I'm sure they will. And it'll probably be different. Like, Oh, I don't care. What, like it'll probably just, if they talk about joining the military at all. I'm going to slap them in the face. I don't even think it'll be about that. I think just the things they'll relate to will be different than this oh, for sure. time period. Cause I think I was just on the exit of like that type of experience. There, yeah. Recreationally non-military. Like I don't think, and as much as I disagree with the Mormon church, I wouldn't have had a lot of the shitty experiences I had without that. So the trek for me, like, I think that was two weeks out in the desert. I've just like, it was like over 200 miles of pulling a cart and it fucking sucked. And you had to wear pioneer like outfits and the women, the women yeah. couldn't pull the cart. It was just the men. Right. So it was like, you had to do it. And Fuck. It, it, yeah, it was. Did experience. your parents sign you up for this? Yeah, I didn't want to go. I remember going to I the don't D- blame you. I, I went to the DI. We're picking out like polygamy clothes and like straw right. hats and shit. Right. Woo! I was on the bus. I was so pissed off. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Dude, so some, some of the stuff I remember from the military um, uh, was like. Being on buses, basically. Yeah. And being so tired that I fell asleep during a five-minute drive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and I'd get woken up in, like, different training area, areas, and I look, I can't even remember the kid's name, but he was in my squad. I was in charge of him, and I'd look at him, and I'd be like, where the fuck are we at? He's like, dude, we only drove like 200 yards. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, you know, like that. I just remember being that tired all the fucking time. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, I really hope my kids have like friends to get in trouble with. Not too much trouble, but just enough trouble to have some good stories later on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I remember one of the church leaders, like we would do these things like the first night we would sleep. We slept in like the tall grass because we couldn't build shelters and you got assigned like a mom and a dad because it was like the first night and it was like setting up camp. And by the time we got all of that done and food and everything, you were playing like games that pioneers would play, which was basically like sitting on your ass and then putting your feet together with someone else and grabbing a stick and like trying to pull yeah it was like it was like games like that and that was the whole experience but there was a point like night four or five where one of the church leaders was like going up and like trying to give like some sort of 
meaningful message and there were two cows in the background just fucking and yeah and they pointed it out and it was i i have a video of that whole i have a like a dvd or whatever of that whole experience somewhere jesus christ that was a the cow thing reminds me of the bisons on camp pendleton there was some buffalo out there Mm. and uh my buddy house uh they were practicing using the the Mark 13 grenade launcher, which is an automatic grenade launcher belt fed. Yeah. And they're like, "Hey, House, you want to give this a shot?" He was a corpsman like me, and he's like, "Sure." And he fired off around, and there was like a buffalo out there, like way the fuck out there. Yeah. And he fired off around and barely missed it, and he was like. Okay, and he adjusted and barely missed it again. He's like, "Oh, I got you now, motherfucker!" And oh, he, Jesus. He, he he went to shoot. He was getting ready to fire again, and someone stepped in and was like, "Dude, that's a federal offense on this property." <laughs> <laughs> so, Jesus, I was like, "Oh, goddamn, Brandon!" Oh man, I miss house. I need to go down to Arizona and say hi to him. He's a good guy. But, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I just really hope my kids have uh, the ability to kind of just fuck around like that and yeah, not get in too much trouble, but just enough to have um, have some good stories later on in life, you know? For sure. Like I my agree. friend and I dropping fucking compressed air and the shavings off of whistling peats down a sewage a, pipe a sewage pipe and having it heard like a block and a half away uh, i think someone's it. trying to blow up the sewer line <laughs> like cops start circling the neighborhood we're like oh jesus <laughs> you know stuff like that so um but we're going on four, so I think we should probably call yeah, it good. We should probably wrap it up, huh? Yeah, and we can probably go back and cut some of it out, too. I don't know. This has been an episode of Cheap Shot Discussions. Please email us at cheapshotdiscussions at gmail.com. Um, if you want anything for us to like address, or if you just want to tell us to fuck off or whatever, we'll, we'll address it all. Uh, this is Dallas Weaver and Caden Thompson signing off.